Welcome to our 70th Amuna class. Yes, a big, big night tonight. Um, right now we're actually daytime, midday rabbi, but soon, midnight, we'll have this class live. Amuna class 70. And I have a big thank you, Hashem, written on my hat. A nice organization in Monsi, I believe. We <coughs> merit to have my father in the studio. Mr. Goldsmith is in the house. Hello. Hi there. Hi, everybody who's taking notice of what we have to say. And uh, thank you very much for having me, giving me the opportunity to welcome everybody and talk to you all today. And I look forward to some very embarrassing questions from my son. <laughs> Only the good ones. Only the ones that make you feel loved. <coughs> we do have Rev Dine Algood coming in the studio shortly, so he will take care of some of the general questions that we have. For our Muna class, especially we've been focusing on Benam Lechaver, loving our fellow person. Very important to keep connection positive and real. But today the focus is overall on promoting Amuna. And that can be honestly the biggest help you can do for humanity. Right now we see a lot of struggles in the world, a lot of difficulties. Universally people are going through all kinds of um, ups and downs emotionally, physically, and I would say spiritually also. And my father, thank God, has so much experience that he's going to give us some guidance how to promote Amuna Global, which we know based on Rav Orish's teaching of Shalom Orish, who unfortunately <coughs> once again is still not able to make the studio time, but is guiding us and giving us the overall push to do these classes, being that this is his studio, and we have once again the honor to represent his awesome organization and causes so we're going to give a little bit of a focus we're going to remember today to dedicate to the legacy of rabbi zachariah wallerstein zatzal as well he was a very big role model for me in the last 20 years or so being in the holy land and going on this journey someone who impacted the world we spoke about it in the previous class my personal class and thank god we'll give over some feedback about that in a moment we also welcome our guests everyone tuning in online to the Holy Land, to Eretz Israel, to Jerusalem. Blessings specifically to our special guest, Mr. Goldsmith, his family, which includes myself, so I'm very happy to be part of that blessing. And my mother, who both of them came here, thank God, special. It's been two and a half years. Whoever follows my class knows I've been asking you guys to pray, and those prayers worked. They made it here, no problem. Easy? Easy this time. Easy this time, yeah. No we problem. We don't want to go into what happened in, in, in the last, past. yeah, Rav Alga just walked into the studio, very excited to see his happy, happy face. He'll be joining us in a moment. We're dedicating this class to the full healing of Rav Sholem Morris. He should have the strength to join us in the studio soon. Tila Rivka Bas Masha, um, Chana Bas Frida, and uh, anyone else out there who's struggling with Corona, they're still saying there's some sort of remnant, I don't know, or new versions, but we pray that this Corona story should go away and we should all be healthy and functional, be able to travel and do everything we need to do. We're also dedicating this class to the Ilya Nishmas of Gedalia's son, Yerachmil Daniel Ben Gedalia. He is a pure soul, and Gedalia Fenster, thank God, did feature, we mentioned it last week, with the Rav in Ami Magazine, and he's going, doing tours now. Should join him, <coughs> excuse me, both in LA and New York. And we're dedicating also to wishing you all a good week. We want good promotions, this Kodesh of Iyar, healthy, energized spring to the summer days, Sphera with Amuna. And we remember this is the focus of the class, to share Amuna, global, everyone. That is the energy we want. We want to make this as big as possible to help humanity reach a good 
inspired state of mind. Okay, so Rav Elgood sitting next to me. We'll just say a quick hello to the Rav who came special. Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem Martin, nice to meet you. Oh, all the way. to meet you. Very good. This is, this is the English now. Oh, this the, is it. The, 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 the English We're taking parliament. over. We're, We're taking, taking over. over, yes. That's it. Finally, an English representation only. Excellent. Well, we should really have another Scots, a Scottish, Scottish guy and a Welsh guy. We talked about those guys in the queue. We are here. We are here to celebrate the Queen's seventieth. Yeah. Uh, Very nice. <laughs> anniversary of being on the throne. Yes, that's a big deal. Seventy years. Not the Queen. Oh, man. Okay, so we just praised the Queen. Amazing. And uh, thank you, Rabbi. This is our feedback moment, and then we'll start the class. Hispodius, my only hope. Hispodius means personal prayer. Just to translate, I hope um, Hashem Melech, blessed be He, will will change me and my life for good. Although yes, I am in pain to pour out my heart, but it's a healing process, and it's a million percent works. One hour in the middle of the night is the best. So that's someone who's living up to the teachings of the Rabbi. A very big part of his program is learning to have a relationship with God. Just to make it clear, to talk it out. Amuna means to talk. Correct, Rabbi. Yes. Defining it correctly, hopefully. Okay. Now we got some other feedback. Smile, 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 and hearts. Musical Amuna class. They love our classes. Thank God. Mashem, continue to bless your organization. Jason wrote this. I love this. What a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem means to make Hashem's name or great sanctify in the world. Sanctify His name. Thank you for the translation. I told you how to translate me. It's life-saving truth. Shalom from Germany. See, it's a global class. As we had Portugal, I think, just before. That's so true, Rabbi. In everything we do, we should call out to Hashem. He is indeed our holy, our only answer. Hashem should bless you and Rav Shom, Oresh, all, all, and everything he's doing. And then just a little bit more feedback. It's great to all this technology. And the Yid mind can be used effect effectively to spread Torah on the platforms. It's got to be done tactically. Love what you're doing. It's doing great. Well said. I'm trying for my place. God bless you, Ellie Goldsmith. That was on my class. Thank God. Shalom, dear Reb Lazer. Greetings from the Noahites. The Noahites are people that keep the seven commandments. And there is a large growing movement of them in the world. And it's actually based from the Torah, such a concept. And I believe this is per a friend. He, Javier, is uh, from a Spanish-speaking country, but he joins us in English. Thank you, dear Reb Lazer, for this wonderful share. Amen. I'm only beginning to learn the first depths of this man's holy life. We're talking about Rav Oresh. Oh no, sorry, excuse me. This is Lahavda ben Chaim Lachaim. We're talking about Rav Zechariah Wallerstein, who were dedicating this class. We mentioned at the beginning before the Rav Dinagra walked in. Everyone should be healthy and well, but unfortunately, Rav, Rav Zechariah Wallerstein, everyone else should be healthy. Rav Zechariah Wallerstein passed away at the young age of 64. Yeah, and we want to celebrate um, life, so we'll dedicate this class to his merit. And may he be for a continuous blessing, they wrote. Someone else wrote one more beautiful feedback. Wishing you a happy time with your parents. Looking forward to being able to hear your father's experience. There we go. That's nice. Very nice. Someone already preceded this class. Did you, you write that? I did not. No, no. you sure did. It's another, it's another <laughs> English book. No, it's, it's on, it's, this is all generally coming through the emails or YouTube. YouTube is the main place where I get the feedback. Um, Facebook here and there. Once in a while, there's some some nice comments underneath as well. And once again, we ask you now, as we're live, if you're watching, make a comment, give feedback. It gets the class more global. Give some love, and uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone who's involved, the studio team, and everyone who joins us weekly. So let's go. Let's start the class, and specifically, we'll thank with Diane Elgood and staff with a question that he made it here in his busy schedule, and we don't take it for granted. So the question is. 
Also, someone asked again about the Munator, but, you know, we've had that question many times. I'm sure you're going to be talking about this anyway, but how can I connect to Sphirsa Oma during this time? That's the time we're in. Yes. Well, we're going to be speaking about this more extensively, but the main key factor is take each day anew. In other words, learn to treat each day as one time unit and cope with the day. Don't start thinking about what's going to be. Focus on what you've got to do today. We'll concentrate about these things in future showroom, but that's one of the key things about Sphere Soma. Learn to live in set moments of time. Amazing. So we are here present, sitting next to the man himself, my father, who's had a lot of experience on online classes. Is that right? Or more rather selling uh, certainly tv uh yeah. a lot of tv exposure a lot of kind of tv shopping channels oh. believe me believe it or not which are in incredibly uh were in incredibly successful obviously the online the online world or the world of shopping online has kind of taken a lot of its uh sparkle away but it's still there and if you want to buy a bed go online you'll see one there's hundreds of them <laughs> I mean, I remember growing up and turning on the TV that we had, and on there was my father selling something on WWE or WWF, yeah. what it was called back then. And, uh, yeah, there was lots of products all the time. There certainly was. In fact, um, my history, really, is, is quite simple. It's about one product, and that product is a T-shirt. And it's amazing how... A simple product like a T-shirt has conquered the world time and time again. Uh, and if I go back, uh, over, well over oh, my company's been in business well over 40 years, and I go back to our early days where I had this vision of working with artists who were touring concert halls, doesn't matter what size they were, whether they were small halls or large halls, and how could we make extra income for those artists so that and also to help promote their artists by by their fans getting more and more involved so the answer was a simple thing very simple put a logo or put a name on a t-shirt and see if the fans want to buy it and although in the early days uh, it, a lot of it came out of the states in the in the psychedelic era, which was kind of uh, late uh, late 60s, late so early 70s, where art became a very, very important part of the world of uh, rock and roll, in, but mainly in California, in San Francisco, in the psychedelic, in the psychedelic days. In fact, some of that artwork is incredibly iconic, and if you've got the originals, very, very valuable. So we decided, uh, we set up a a company and I approached uh, an iconic British artist named Cliff Richard, who's still around, still performing. I think he's... Don't oh, we call him Sir Cliff Richard. Oh, Sir Cliff, yeah. <laughs> Sir Cliff. And I said to Sir Cliff, in those days he was Cliff, I said, why don't we, you're doing some concerts, why don't we produce some product uh, with your picture on it or uh, a T-shirt with your face on it or some logo? And he said to me, are you mad? He said, nobody's going to buy anything with my face or, or, or logo on it. So I said, well, it's my risk. I will pay you a percentage of all the money that we take, and let's see what happens. 
And of course, 80 years later, well, sorry, uh, 40 years later, he's still going around and the world of merchandising is become, and all his fans who turn up at a show have to buy something. They have to. It's not a matter of trying to sell it to them. So um, he, he was absolutely amazed. And of course, his manager was also delighted because we gave them added income uh, to whatever they were earning from concerts. And then... We decided uh, to kind of expand into the world. My brother, who was the most famous uh, promoter, tour promoter in Europe, or probably secondary to a guy called Bill Graham in America, was bringing in uh, a few small bands. You might have heard of them. I'm not quite sure, but the Rolling Stones, David Bowie, uh, Led Zeppelin, Thin Lizzy, uh, and uh, very... And Pink, of Queen. course, Pink Floyd and Queen, just small little bands, you know, that, that obviously turned into the world's greatest artists who are still performing today. And my my job was to create uh, merchandising ranges, uh, whether it was a T-shirt or a badge or a cap or a program or a poster, to go at every show. And, and gradually, the business got bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, every single fan had to buy something, which they did. Of course, you know, we had a few failures when I, A, the band didn't turn up or, it, or the weather was bad and we were outdoors uh, or whether we overbid for the rights. Um, so not everything was successful, but generally um, it, it, the business uh, side of it grew and that side of kind of memorabilia, memorabilia business has expanded into all levels of... of I would say not only the entertainment world, but anything where there's a following. And um, we we got involved with some weird and wonderful, crazy, crazy things. And I noticed the the most interesting aspect of what Ellie has put up was a picture of me with uh, the Hulkster, Hulk Hogan, Holy Brother, Holy Brother. And he, um, in those days, 1980. Uh, Seems like another century ago, but anyway, 1980s, uh, the world of wrestling was just starting to happen in America. And we, I, I knew, I'd been to Florida and I'd seen the kind of buzz when the World Wrestling Federation, as it was known then, was doing their live shows. <clears throat> and I contacted uh, their, the owner, whose name was Vince McMahon, and I said to him, why, you know, I've noticed the interest in America about uh, re uh, professional wrestling. I said, why didn't we bring you over to Europe? And he looked at me. In fact, I went to Connecticut, sat down with him. He looked at me. He said, you brother, you must be mad. You're crazy. We're only playing in kind of small venues. What the hell are you talking about? He said, I said, well, I still believe, you know, there's going to be interest worldwide. He said, one thing is happening. He said, we're just talking now to Sky TV. I said, and Sky TV in those days was at its infancy. And I said, well, what are you talking to them about? He said, well, they're very interested in bringing, uh, bringing us on TV in America. I said, well, as soon as you've done the deal and you want to show, they're going to show World Wrestling Federation on Sky TV, which was gradually taking over from BBC and ITV, let me know and we will, we will, um, like to promote you 
He says, you're mad, you're crazy. I said, okay, well, we'll find out. Anyway, a few months later, the deal was done. He, he, they got onto Sky TV. The, the market suddenly grew. There was from nothing, there was kind of a few hundred thousand people watching uh, on their Sky boxes because in those days it was just beginning. Uh, so we, we did a deal to bring World Wrestling Federation to London into a brand new arena which nobody could get to, by the way, because it was very there was no there was no transport system to get it. it was on the London Docklands. Anyway, we put one advert in the Daily newspaper, the Daily Mirror, and within about one hour, every single ticket had sold out. You know, and it was just we couldn't they couldn't believe it. My brother said, "I can't believe this is happening." I said, "Well, it's happened. We better be prepared for it." <laughs> and then from then onwards, um, that event went ahead. Uh, it was a massive, massive success with no promotional cost at all, really, just a few couple of ads. And the World Wrestling Federation was born as a brand in, in the UK, followed by uh, into Europe. And that went on for about 10 or 11 years, uh, finalizing in, I think it was 1987, uh, World Wrestling Federation SummerSlam at Wembley, Wembley Stadium. Everybody thought, it's impossible, it can't sell out. And guess what? 87,000 tickets were snapped up in a very, very short period of time. And uh, then um, it was, in fact, I think it's 30 years anniversary coming up this year, if, I, if I've got my figures correct. And uh, from then, the World Wrestling Federation went from strength, strength to strength. And some of the characters that we we work with, we even brought them to Israel. Uh, we toured, we did some dates in Israel with um, uh, kind of quite a quite a heavy uh, lineup of superstars, including one guy named Randy Savage. Yeah, Randy it. Savage. Yeah, and um, he was a Slim Jim guy. Yeah, uh, I remember. I remember as if it was yesterday. Basically, I said to all the guys who we were in Tel Aviv. I said, "Who who would like to go and visit the holy city of Jerusalem? I can arrange a tour. I can arrange a tour bus and and a guide, and they'll take you around uh, the city, around the walls, and all the old city and the new city, and uh, you can see, you know, all about the history that you've been reading about." And most of the guys decided they wanted to get involved. They got on the bus and uh, we drove out from Tel Aviv. And suddenly this guy says to me, and his name is Randy Savage, and he spoke like this. He said, hey, my mother's Jewish. I said, oh, that's interesting, really. How come? He <laughs> says, yeah, my mother's Jewish. I said, well, that makes you Jewish. Guy, yeah. <laughs> what? I can't, I, I won't uh, repeat what he said. He said, that's impossible. I said, if your mother's Jewish, you are Jewish. Give me that phone, he says. <laughs> Get hold of the phone. He gets on. He, he gets onto the phone to eventually to his mother, and he said, "Hey, I'm in the holy city. I'm I'm in Israel. I'm just going to Jerusalem. They just told me I'm Jewish." You can imagine there was a deathly silence on the other end of the phone, <laughs> uh, and suddenly, in the midst of all this, uh, he had no idea whatsoever. And his mother had, and he, he made his mother come out on the next aeroplane. <laughs> so he he had, and he was told about the history of his life. And 
as his life went on later on, I think he got he got quite involved with um, fundraising and doing things. Vegas, for, I uh, heard. yeah, I and heard he, he donated to Vegas. Yeah, he donated quite a lot for some <laughs> of the charities. Unfortunately, I think he got run over one day when he was um, too much slim jim. Yeah, too much stuff, you know. And um, but that was the story of Randy Savage. And believe it or not, the legendary Hulk Hogan always used to call me, "Hey brother, hey brother, you're my holy brother," you know, as if. I was his brother. He's he was quite, although he had a checkered career, he was he was uh, certainly quite spiritual, and he probably still is, you know. Even though he's been through a few wives and a few this and the other, you know, and various scandals about him, but he's still a great man, and uh, he he he's uh, well into his sixties, but he's still active. So anyway, that's the story of the world of the world of wrestling. I carried on in that world. We we. Uh, represented another company called TNA and we followed up with another one called WOS World of Sports which was a British company which is still around and believe it or not we even got involved with the very very first uh, European um, live experience with UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship which we brought to the Albert Hall um, with, amongst a huge amount of uh, bad press, good press, and the Albert Hall had no idea that there was two guys in the ring in a cage beating each other up, and they weren't happy. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's the history of that. Still got some traditional values. Yeah. There? <laughs> uh, amongst our other experiences, we have done a lot of work in, the, in raising money uh, for charitable organizations, and my area of it was always been the world of merchandising. So we, uh, going back, uh, Live Aid, in fact, most people remember Live Aid, of course, uh, and then after Live Aid, there was an event called Fashion Aid, which every single famous fashion design in the world uh, gave it some artwork, which we could re recreate on merchandising. I mean, every, from Armani to uh, Dior to... Um, Catherine Hamnett, who every world major artist, every major gave their design free, and our job was to create some product, sell the product, uh, retail mainly in those days, and at live events, and all the all the proceeds went into the Live Aid Trust, uh, and we became a huge money earner for them. And probably the biggest event which people might remember it was called sport aid now sport aid was was set up as a as a huge fundraiser uh for africa in those days and it the proceeds actually went into the live aid live aid trust again and the idea was the world was going to run uh and it it was a bit of a rocky start, but as soon as they got Bob Goldoff involved and a few famous rock stars saying they were going to support it, uh, the event took off. But the important thing about it, every single person who entered to run for the world would receive a T-shirt. And part of the entrance pack was the T-shirt, which had a world on it, and I run the world. And... Um, we had the job of creating this this product and returning, you know, the all the proceeds into the fund itself. 
And it started off very slowly, but suddenly it went crazy. And we had the job of creating 600,000 T-shirts, <laughs> sending them out to every single participant, because uh, that was part of the entrance. You pay your entrance money and you get a T-shirt. And as you can imagine, that was a hell of a job. But anyway, we made it work. And the, the charity raised a huge amount of money. And um, then... And then Following from that, there was um, a big event in Hyde Park where all the most famous rock musicians in the world <coughs> uh, were trying to save the planet. We haven't succeeded yet. This event was called Live 8. Eight. And every, you know, whether it was Queen or, um, <coughs> in fact, um, Led Zeppelin and Pink, uh, sorry, Pink Floyd had a reunion on the stage in Hyde Park. And one of the most prominent... Um, Senate members of the US was behind it, and the idea was to save the planet, and that was called Live Eight. Uh, also, uh, another huge fundraiser was the Prince's Trust, which was, <coughs> which still is around, uh, headed up by Prince Charles, and every year he used to have a, a, a rock show, a rock festival, at one of the at Wembley or the Albert Hall or Hyde Park. Again. Uh, the music industry supported it. Everybody supported it. Every name that you ever heard of got behind it, just like in Live Aid, Live Aid's time. But these are probably, <clears throat> they're probably kind of um, forgotten as time goes by, but all these things happen. Then we did a, a lot of events, Teenage Cancer Trust, which still, which raises a lot of money for young kids who've, who've got cancer. So the Albert Hall every year, and it's kind of, headed up by Roger Daltrey from The Who. That's another massive fundraiser, all based on the world, all based around merchandising and ticket sales. So I know that Elliot has, <coughs> has a huge library of publications from Rabbi Shalom Arush, and it's very important that anybody who's interested in his following and his words and his speaking should... You know, lay out and buy the publications. I'm, I'm not sure whether we'll have a T-shirt with his face on it yet. Should we? We <laughs> have some merchandise. <laughs> there a is some T-shirt could be oh, a good Judaica idea. You never have. know. You <laughs> never know. We've got Judaica, like, <laughs> and uh, have the brand, the products. Yeah. But and just, just, uh, just a, a very quick, uh, pricey. It won't take too long. About ten hours if you've got time. On this <laughs> After the world of rock and roll, we then got involved with um, a young, very small little man called Luciano Pavarotti, and the world's greatest tenor, who was an opera singer, but suddenly became a world superstar, filling up stadiums throughout the world. And we toured around the world with him for 25 years. Uh, and then they, the, his manager... Tibor Rudas, a guy from originally from Hungary, decided I can do I can do more with Luciana than just um, selling out uh, small venues and big venues. Let's do stadium events for 60,000 people. So you can imagine fifty, sixty thousand people all sitting in a huge stadium listening to an opera star, unheard of, completely unheard of. And <clears throat> then. He had the brainwave of taking three of the world's greatest tenors, uh, Pavarotti, Carreras, and Domingo, 
and putting them into huge 18,000, 90,000 stadiums around the world. And it was my honour to be able to work with them. They also did a lot of events for charity, uh, particularly charity uh, that charity events uh, that uh, Pavarotti was, where he was creating his own foundation to bring up new singers uh, and new stars. And again, uh, it was the world of kind of a bit of merchandising around it and TV, TV advertising that helped raise more and more funds. So on and on it goes. So the question is how do we, and this was like one of the questions actually written down, how do we promote Amuna to our community and globally online? How do we get these, these concepts of merchandise and brands into the world of Amuna of Ravorish? Because he obviously has a vision for his books, for his teachings. He's traveled, we've traveled together and seen how the <coughs> impact he has on a large amount of people and not just in the English speaking world, but globally as well. And uh, how, do, how would you see with all your experience, obviously, and the charity side of it as well, that a lot of the music and the, and the entertainment also backed the charity side of it. And which, something we've tried to do in this class is bring in the music elements yeah. and had guests who are singers and, and rappers and, and composers and creators and DJs and every kind of different um, performer. How do we combine that to get this more global, to get the Muna concepts? Probably, um, the big question. I would say the world of t-shirts is not for <clears throat> this organization, but it could be that if there was a licensing program set up where you could sell a brand, um, a Muna brand, which could, could go on, you know, ashtrays or pottery or mugs or, or cups or, you know, some, a bit of decor product which could be put on the wall at home or uh, you know even even um a hanukkah hanukkah maybe branded with that that might it could work how about baseball caps yes baseball they did it. this this organization yeah. did it in america thank yeah. you Hashem. we have one yeah. called i i love <clears throat> i have call you hoodie so that no but for your father speaking yeah. about specifically the product yeah. of the yeah. Irish and the yeah. Yeah. Well, there could be amongst the followers, amongst everybody around, a, a company which has a, a range of products already into stores, maybe household items that could be branded, uh, and that would help to get the name around. Um, doesn't have to be just something which, I mean, it could be a vase, you know, it could be something. But which, it seems like the events is what really pushed the word out. Events, the excitement of an event. Obviously, uh, if you've tour, got a, if you have a, a following, and you've got, I mean, you've had events in Madison Square Gardens, haven't you? And you've had it for in the, the Jewish world, yeah, yeah, but not for specifically Rav Orish, No, you never know. <laughs> I don't know whether you know if you could, if there's a, a range of product that could be created and put together and sold. Obviously, there's a risk. Someone's got to take the risk, and yeah. whether it's a, a company bought the license, which my way of think is probably the best way, who appears every time there's a, ga a large gathering. Of course, the online store is very important. That is, yeah, we have Reslev.com, which is a yeah. website. Maybe we <laughs> could the... sing with Sir Cliff. Sir Cliff, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Sir Cliff. He does believe, no? Yes, well, Sir Cliff is, a, a Sir Cliff is, is certainly very. Um, spiritual person i mm. mean he he does believe he obviously has his own followers of 
you know, Christian faith who follow him because of not because he's a singer, but because of his spiritual leading, you know. So what uh, about Frank Sinatra one time? You told me there was a big rainstorm. Was that right when he was singing uh, the climax of a song and it just downpoured? Uh, yeah, that was Pavarotti. That was Pavarotti? Yeah. Well, obviously, he sang, he one of his iconic events was in Hyde Park mm. and um, Pavarotti in Hyde Park. Um, I think there was probably 85,000 people, mm. including Princess Diana and the whole of the, go the, whole of the government. Uh, every single person who was anybody in the country was there. Uh, and the only dampener, and the word dampener is something which I can still see, as soon as Pavarotti came out on stage, as he opened his mouth, so the skies opened. And it absolutely, <laughs> pouring down. absolutely poured down. It never stopped raining. You know. Did you have the umbrellas? Well, well the Pavarotti the, umbrellas. The trouble is, uh, all, the, all the people put their all the people put their umbrellas up, but the people behind started going mad because they couldn't see. see. <laughs> so my my brother had to get up on the stage and berate the audience. Put your umbrellas down. But then, <laughs> so then, the, luckily, we had a. Uh, supply of plastic Macs and all the VIPs in the front you know, were sitting there getting absolutely soaked, but they were protected with plastic Macs. You know, <laughs> uh, we, we can't con we can control everything, but you can't control the weather. That's it. So especially yeah. in England, exactly. in England <laughs> it happens. But okay, so we've really got. <coughs> so what was that show called? Pouring Pavarotti. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's not bad. PP. PP. <laughs> Pavarotti. Pouring Pavarotti. Pavarotti. Oh, yes. Good one. Pouring Pavarotti. I mean, I do remember a story about Pavarotti <coughs> where he had changed his date of his birthday for Yom from Yom Kippur. Is that correct? Did that happen? Well, no, because his birthday, yeah. believe it or not, is 12th of October. It's your birthday. And guess whose birthday is the 12th of October? Yes. Me. He never sent me a birthday card. Mm. I used to send him a birthday card, but he never sent me a birthday card. Mm. I never forgave him for that. Mm. We both share the same birthday. Mm. Okay, so there's a question. We're just going to yeah. jump back to Ravel Gods, just out of interest. Someone commented on the DHC. Yes, these classes are still mm -hmm. going around. The bracha on dried fruit. Someone wants to make a blessing. What's the blessing on a fruit, Dad? You know? Right. Yes. With chemical flavoring. So is this true for all thoughts bought today at supermarkets or only a select few? Well, it depends what dried fruit. I mean, if we're talking yeah. here about, for example, prunes or dates or figs, etc., then the blessing would truly be appropriate. But when we're talking about uh, papaya or kiwi, we're talking about the ones who have the, what's called the fluorescent, and uh, Martin used this earlier, the psychedelic colors. Psychedelic okay, colors. psychedelic colors. The broche is shahakal. It's got nothing to do with fruits. Everything is sucked out of them. And whatever's really? put back in, it's got nothing to do. The wow. fruit is killed completely. Yeah. All the flavor is taken out. It's chemicals. Oil is put back in. It's absolutely dangerous. And the broche is shahakal. That's not a fruit. Well, I wasn't aware of that. Yes. Wow. I don't it, like dry fruit. They look a little bit like colorful. That's know? what I said. The psychedelic fruits. It's psychedelic. Yes. You know, like the ones with the shiny green. The yes, yeah. yes. You put them at night and you really? can see it. Really? <laughs> really? How amazing. Yeah. So we, we only make a blessing on the specific reality and it doesn't even make it to the fruit yes, reality. That fruit even though it was that, once that fruit was Zaytala Bracha or whatever, Zakhona Bracha. Again, it was once. That's yeah. the 
<laughs> past okay. experience. Amazing. Uh, so, there's just yeah. one story just just came sure. to uh, we we had the the rights for the Olympic Games 2012 in London, and we had uh, a lot of the, the rights for the merchandising. And Olympic merchandising is huge. It's absolutely, you know, every there's collectors around the world who will collect Olympic badges, for instance, going back for years and years and years, you know, and a lot of them now become quite valuable, you know, they actually trade. If you go on eBay, you see there's uh, people trading in, in Olympic merchandise. And we were, we were struggling a bit. We, we were, it wasn't really, hadn't the, the 2012 merchandise, although the, the actual events were massive, the merchandising, particularly online, which was then in its inf infancy, hadn't really taken off. And, and we had guaranteed a huge amount of money for the rights for that. And we were getting a bit worried until suddenly, um, and the part of it was the Paralympics. And I said to the Olympic uh, organizer and the committee we were working with, uh, I said, what about the Paralympics? And they said, ah, oh, don't worry about it. It doesn't mean anything. It, it will happen, but it doesn't mean anything. How wrong they were. You know, it's quite amazing how the Paralympics in London uh, became massive. And they sold, actually sold 3 million tickets for the 2012 Paralympics, mm. which obviously that helped all the Paralympics themselves, you know, these guys in wheelchairs and all that type of stuff who put their whole life into trying to keep fit, even though they, they, they had shocking things happen to them. And the kind of the Paralympic merchandising suddenly became the thing you had to buy. And all the mm. fans, and can you imagine, they... The, the Olympic people could not believe that they sold three million tickets for Paralympic Games. So, and that brings us to today, or, or in fact, last month, where we we got involved with uh, Prince Harry's uh, charity, main charity, which is called Invictus Games, which again is the Invictus Games is for para 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 Olympic. Um, not Paralympic, paraplegic. but paraplegia, that's the word, thank you. Paraplegic athletes who basically are from the army or from the, the armed forces, and they have this annual event that's been held back for two years because of the obvious reason, but last two weeks ago it was held in The Hague, and again, that was another huge TV um, interest, and it was shown all around the world, and the part, important part of it was fundraising through merchandising. So that was another one. So I think we get an idea now to just sum up that basically to get these products like we have, thank God, we sold out, which is the good news, of the English one, yes, on Loving All People, the updated version. We still have the uh, original version. And we have, obviously, the latest book of Garden of Ramona that we're always putting out there and remind you to go to breslev.com. We did post this week that you can get all 15 Garden of Ramona books, actually 14, correct me, please, 14 English Garden of Amuna books, and uh, they are available for a great price. You can buy the full set. Obviously, <coughs> well, the shipping, everything's at a better price because it's a bulk deal, and we will ship it out to you. We posted it already on our on our sites, and these are great opportunities. This is something I've watched growing up, my father selling products online, and on you know, in those days it was TV, and, uh, you know, something which 
I see the importance because especially we know what's inside these books can change people's lives. It's literally saved marriages, um, people's well-being, the ability to have um, peace of mind so they can economically succeed. One of the things that the Rub has been pushing, as we just mentioned very much, is about the loving the fellow man. So we're going to go now get have a little bit of a focus from Rav Dian Elgod again on this subject. And I know he's prepared pages. Yeah, but, yeah, but before that, yeah. I would like to ask, could I please ask yeah, you a follow-up question? Ask. Yes, you do. In, in my opinion, again, and I'm saying this as someone who is not part of the actual industry, but I think that the most important thing is promoting something that you believe in. Correct. Am I right about that? Correct. In other words, you have to believe in your product. Yeah, that is true. Well, in the rock and roll business, or the music, that doesn't always mean that I believe in what they're playing and what they're saying. But as long as the fans believe in it, that's not the important thing. So you're... The, I, the logo, for instance, on the front cover of the, of this latest, well, that's a great logo, which I could, you know... Yeah, everyone does have gratitude. Got a lot of good got a feedback from that, the heart and everything, yeah, yes. definitely. In other words, we've got the most important thing that what you're speaking about, merchandise, is, is creating belief in the product yeah. or connection. Well, you can you can have a book, you can have this book in your bookshelf and you might see this section as you walk by but if you had that let's say in glass or some kind of nft form, nowadays or, or nft is another story yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe on your wall at home you'll see it every day as you walk past and that will mean something to you and perhaps a lapel badge obviously that type of thing you might have it already i don't i don't know okay now here, here to another question yeah how do you create a connection to the merchandise to the logo for example let's take a musician yeah. Whatever music. Music is something very personal. Not everyone likes this or that kind of music. How do you make people like the merchandise even if they don't feel connected to the music? Well in the in the when I say olden days, I mean going back back to the seventies, every single band, their logo was the most important thing. If you can imagine you you know, A C D C you know that it, if I say that to you, you know what that means, don't you? Yeah, I am the wrong, I'm the wrong <laughs> example. Well, my parents that brings only, to the story no, from last. My week. parents yeah. only allowed only allowed me to yeah. listen to classical music okay. when I was growing up. Okay, we told oh. the Rabsi my story where he had no clue. Was, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, let's say okay, you're the branding. Let like the Rolling Stones. You big know tongue. what the tongue is. Yeah. You do know that, don't you? The what? The tongue. The tongue. Rolling, Rolling Stones. Stones the big tongue. tongue. Like you don't have know. it behind them on the walls and the sorry uh, again again i'm the wrong person okay. <laughs> it's I'm not sorry. tchaikovsky's tongue it's mick jagger's tongue but anyway <laughs> let, let's tchaikovsky, say i know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't think he was merchandised too much but believe it or not there is a, a revised... actually peter and the wolf yeah of tchaikovsky that yeah. was merchandised that a lot. was yeah mm. exactly yes. but i mean it, it's a matter of creating a recognizable iconic image in other words, that when I see you from afar, yeah. when I see the image, I already know what that image means. Correct, correct. I mean, that that image, to me, looking at that particular is image... Is a powerful image. It's a powerful image, and it could be... It's not my world, because I don't sell generally to retailers who sell this, but I could see this as a glass product, you know? Uh, and maybe people who have no idea what it really means, what the meaning behind it could be attracted to it. The I heart mean, of Amuna. Yeah. yeah. Nice, not bad. Yeah. 
It's what is it? It's wonders of gratitude. Yes. So I'm always it could mean something. We do have a rabbi sitting here, and 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 I want to just give him a few minutes to really give <coughs> us just an, another push towards loving other people. Like I have my father here. I couldn't be happier to be able to honor him in the Holy Land. But thank God, it's a struggle generally. The day in day out grind of connecting with Bedam Lachaver with each other, honoring each other. We know that's a big part of this time period. So can you please? Guide us, There's a beautiful phrase from the Chazonish. This yes. is brought in the book Maiseish in part 2 on page 166. Chazonish was asked, what should a person's goal be in this world? And he answered something incredible. He said, to be able to go through your 70 years without hurting a single soul. Wow. So that should be your highest aspiration. In other words, our highest aspiration should be to treat every single person the way we'd like to be treated. No one likes to be screamed at. No one likes to be reprimanded. No one likes to be scoffed or to be mocked. And the way we'd like to people to treat us is the way we should treat other people. Why does it be so hard, though? Now, come on. You've, I've seen behind the scenes in the music business, everyone screaming at each other, <laughs> all this pressure and hassle. Well, pressure is one thing, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, at a live event, timing is the most important thing because there's nothing worse than uh, having your audience there and they're standing there or sitting there and you're late. But doesn't it build up like a... Yeah, of course, sometimes, correct, sometimes it does the it does exactly the opposite and everyone gets more excited than, than angry. But it's within reason though, isn't it? Well, yeah, maybe, but um, we've all been at venues and places where the audience starts slow clap, hand clapping, whether it's a classical concert or a sports event or whatever, you know. <clears throat> For instance, when Novak Djokovic is playing against Rafa Nadal in a tennis match and Novak sits down for a few minutes longer than he should do, the audience to start slow hand clapping, you know, because they're getting angry. They reckon <laughs> that he's trying to pull one over. Um, so uh, how do you, how do you, uh, I think a bit of a bit of an audience excitement is a good thing in a way. And whether it's built up because you're getting them angry. Well, the good news, not. every but, time we post our class, it's yeah. meant to be 8.30. Somehow the studio, last night, last week it was 12.30. I don't know how. That's so good. that created a lot of anticipation. Yeah. Where's the class? That's good. I get on my phone, you know, and suddenly on the side. Is it getting posted at all? That's good. You got the link? What's going on? Well, <laughs> people... Streaming yeah. events also have some sort you said, of you were, spe- you were speaking also about Bernardo and Lachave. Yeah. In my opinion, the two main things that bother people, first of all, pride. Being very egoistic. When you think only about yourself and you don't think about other people, for example, if I'd now scream at you, that means I'd be thinking about my point of view and not thinking about you as a person, which I think could probably happen a lot in the industry of music or the industry of art. It depends. A person... You've got to stop being egoistic. And the second thing is, in my opinion, is you've got to have a muna. In other words, we learned, we taught this to Ellie. Okay, Ellie is English. Um, as an English boy, the concept of time is very important to him. And one of the things he learns here in yeshiva is that time is flexible. Mm-hmm. Which means, and this is, a, this, is a, this, is a, this is an amuna lesson. Things don't happen the way you always want them to happen. And you've got to accept it. Mm-hmm. This is the way it's going to be. It's not going to help you getting angry. It's not going to help you screaming. We're working here and having the last few years with Corona and oh. event world. 
Well, there's definitely been a big lesson in that. Yeah, Everything well, you, everybody. You, let's face it, you yeah. live in a country where everybody's angry. <laughs> Especially on the road. Oh, <laughs> no, it's, not, it's not that they're angry, yeah. it's just that the Israeli driver yeah. is born with his hand on the horn. On the horn. He yeah. constantly honks. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> but let, let's ask you, what well, do you let's think? Say the, let's yeah. say. Uh, well, lack of patience. What do you, lack of patience. Being an observer, someone who grew up in England and you've seen my journey and you've met, thank God now, yeah. another rabbi, yeah, who, yeah. a role model that I look up to and learn from, thank God. What do you think of our journey as like the Jewish people and the lessons of Amuna that we're trying to live, even though it could be struggle sometimes, but overall you've seen the, the family and well, the whole process somewhat. I've only seen from the inner circle of my own grandchildren, and I've noticed the, the the difference between each child. Each child is different. But the one thing they all seem to have, obviously inherited from you, maybe with the exception of one person, is is spirituality, you know, and they all uh, appreciate it, they all respect it. Uh, I'm sure when I was told by my father, you've got to go to Shul, you've got to go to Edgeware Shul to see Rabbi Saul Amius, uh, I probably said, yeah, okay, Dad, I'm going to go to shore, but I'll end up in the local park or something like that, you know. <laughs> but I don't see that from your your children. And going to shore here yesterday in... Um, uh, Tolna. Tolna. Uh, the Tolna Rabbi, uh, the uh, percentage of pre-bermits for kids in there was quite quite interesting actually yeah, and they were all very very interesting uh, and uh, they they all part of the service which if it, uh, which is obviously they're brought up on it but i know that in in i'm a member of the united synagogue and it's a slightly different atmosphere and of course if you're a member of the reform synagogue it's a, another atmosphere again although the reform synagogue does manage to bring in a, a lot more younger families probably because most of the, a lot of the services in um, in english which they can reflect on but here it's the spirituality that seems to have taken over from whatever else is going on outside once you're inside the shore that seems to be the most important thing from all ages and because i'm as i said a member of united i it's a bit difficult for me to understand uh, a lot of the um the prayers, which I, I'm, you know, I've been brought up for years, as I know them, but when I hear it here, it takes on a completely different meaning. And the interesting thing is the amount of uh, interaction uh, with God on, on, from the floor. You know, I'm not talking about on the bim. I'm talking about from the floor. From the congregation is really inspiring in a way, and they do make their voices heard. I don't know whether it's a competition to see who can dub them the loudest or not. I'm not sure. Maybe no. there is. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's from a real place. Yeah. Yes, uh, it's from a real place. Yeah. And, and uh, it's very... It, 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 well, it's interesting for me and probably interesting for a lot of uh, non-kind of secular Jews to, to see it because they probably wouldn't get the opportunity, you know. But do you think this movement of, like, say, someone like myself yeah. coming from the... VIP music industry entertainment world, being in the backstage, meeting all this, seeing this whole really. World. When was that? I remember it very, <laughs> very well. Meeting, you know, Eric Clapton to yeah. Paul, you know, McCartney to yeah. every single person. 
So it's Slash, the list goes on, you know, Oasis, go yeah. on and on. Well, you were lucky. So, but then I'm still focusing in on the rabbis and the spirituality, the Amuna, even now, till now, which, you know, not everyone can keep the long-term plan going. Um, it takes a lot of, you know, thank well, God, special people around to help, and a lot of Saturday Shemite have any help. So how do you think, for the future of our people and the world, do you feel this still has a place that can help and even feature in the entertainment world and the music world and in the merchandise world, there can be a room, like NFT world, wherever the new technology, the virtual world, where it's all heading. Is there room for spirituality and soulfulness into all that? There's always room for it. There's always room for it. It's just a matter of how do you to make people understand that there is another way out. You know, it's, it's not all... Um, getting angry with the world and going out in the streets and screaming and shouting, you know, there, there's other ways of doing it. To funnel it properly. Sorry? To funnel it properly. Yes, correct, correct. Uh, you know, I suppose the Orthodox Jewish world is always going to be remote from the general population. Because but, the, but it seems like the rabbis made a difference in making it much more universal. Well, I'm sure if if you could get, you know the people to listen on the general on a general TV channel or a general I'm sure then you, you're gonna start opening it up into you know a whole new world. But of course you're not alone. Like we'll end off with one story I know. We my dad came to help us with Nissan Black and bring him to oh, the yeah. events in London yeah. and, and also you were at the recent concert Hanukkah. Yeah, well but who won the watch? Who won the raffle? That's the question everyone Well, wants that was to know. a fiddle. You knew that. I was let's gonna... see, let's see. Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> all my friends laugh. They say the guy who least needs it wins the raffle, and he's still wearing it now. Well, yes. Well, Nissim Black, obviously, we he came to London, and part of it, part of the event was a kind of a, a charity auction, or was it a raffle yeah. or an auction? I can't yeah, remember raffle, now. Yeah. And uh, somehow or the other, and Elliot was involved with putting the whole thing together. Somehow or the other, I ended up with the first prize. I wonder how that happened. <laughs> The watch. <laughs> the watch. The watch. Well, what was interesting, about a month ago, um, Nissim came to London and he performed for the, uh, the Chabad community of Essex. Essex. Mm. Uh, and I had no idea that um, that community was so large in that part of the world. I didn't know, actually. And I was amazed when we went to a very nice venue um, in in um, just outside Romford, which is a kind of smallish smallest town and the place was absolutely packed of all ages all ages and as soon as nissim came out you know it was like like uh, the rolling stones had arrived the audience went mad you know they went absolutely mad for him <laughs> and not only did he sing his song where they got and he spoke to them a bit, a bit about his life you know and there was a there was a certainly a lot more people than i expected to see and i'm glad for them that it was successful you know yeah, so I'm sure there are other artists who could probably do the same thing. I think know. that's together, there's students that we bring to the <coughs> program, that's part of the, the idea. That, the that music is part of the idea, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Could I end off by asking your please. father a question? Yes, please, Ralph. We were speaking about Benazem Lechavera, and I'm sure that you, as someone who's dealt with artists, the artists that, you, you, managed to, people. The, yeah. the artists that you managed to connect to them better were the ones who were more human, less mm -hmm. egoistic. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a story about that, about someone who you remember? A good story. Good story. Well, generally, generally the I, I I just remember one. Generally, we would 
talk to the artist through their manager because the manager is there to protect the artist and he doesn't let's say if, a, if an artist about to go on stage and he's upset by something somebody said to him it's not going to reflect back on the artist but i remember quite a funny story um neil diamond was playing at a very large arena in london hills court arena and i i had the idea of and the a large amount in fact my soon as the name neil diamond was announced my doorbell had never stopped ringing people driving me crazy to get tickets i am actually not in the business of selling tickets but people from people i hadn't seen for years and years and years all want to see neil because he hadn't appeared in london for many many years and they were knocking at my door driving me crazy <laughs> some of the people we got tickets for someone said you know get me yourself don't drive me crazy anyway so i had the idea of um having in the the foot the whole part of the catering the deli which was going to sell salt beef sandwiches and luckers and all that kind of thing which is something you would never ever in a million years see at um earl's court it's not not the kind of catering you might get a hot dog or, or, or burger or something but you would never see anyone so we i went to <laughs> i <laughs> went to a friend of mine who had a a, a well a very very well known salt beef bar in Golders Green. Bloom? Uh, sorry, was it Bloom? No, it wasn't Bloom. It was I've forgotten his name actually. It will come to me in a minute. And uh, I said to him, "We'd like you to come to Earl's Court. Neil Diamond is there for a week, and we have a ready-made audience for you." He said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Look, all you had to do is set up your um, salt beef bar inside Earl's Court. You've got to open up." Uh, an hour and a half before the show and just start carving anyway eventually i persuaded him it's a great idea and of course you can imagine it as soon as the audience came in there you know the ones got it went off like crazy in fact they couldn't even cope with it you know you can imagine <laughs> the amount of salt beef <laughs> pastrami by the way anyway um so he was he was there for a week and um all of a sudden i i got this guy on the phone screaming going absolutely mad what the hell i can't tell you what he wants to say because it's but not appropriate <laughs> we're pulling the show we're pulling the show this is not right i said and you're shouting at me i said well why are you shouting at me because it's your fault i said well, what's happened somebody sent pastrami round to neil without <laughs> without my permission i said what i said so what happened was the caterer, the pastrami man, or salt beef man, decided to be a nice guy and send around a whole place of salt beef to Neil, Di Neil Diamond in his dressing room. And his manager, obviously, is protecting his eye because, you know, as far as he, maybe we're trying to poison him. I don't know, you know. <laughs> and of course, he, he, it, was for a, it was very, very touch and go. But of course, Neil loved it. He thought it was the greatest thing. He's a Jew as well, isn't he? Neil? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Of course, yeah. and uh, I was forgiven. But uh, that—that's where some were. So a lot of the artists, you know, you, I remember my—we—we um, we had a, a concert event in a, a castle out in Kent. I think it was um, very old castle. They decided to put on an event in their gardens, and the artist there was Pavarotti. Pavarotti was going to sing in in. Uh, in the grounds of this famous castle in Kent. And after the show, um, 
he did the show and it was great and everyone was, and there was a, a dinner given for him and he um he 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 decided he we were all sitting there waiting for him to come come out to join us for, for the after show dinner and all of a sudden he turns up with a with a uh, a serviette and thing over his arm and two bottles of wine in his hand and he became the wine waiter oh. <laughs> Nice. And I still have a picture of my mother, uh, my late mother, sitting on Pavarotti's yeah. lap, you know, so things yeah. like that. I make a joke when I'm back but in London that they're, looking, a they're up in heaven together. Yeah. You know? Pavarotti and but my of course, grandma. If you upset him, yeah. you owe hell to pay, you know. Yes, he'll, he'll start screaming you with his tenor voice. Well, his, <laughs> he, he, he thought the Moroccans. He it. once yeah. said to me, he once said to me, um, I suddenly get a call from him. You have called me something or the other. So I said, what are you talking about? He said, come into my address room. So I go into his address room and he says to me, Laka, he says, you have called me. Can I use the word now? No. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> he says, you have, I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, uh, he says, look, and he's, he's pointing at this, picture in the in the souvenir program book and you have called me and his name is luciano i-a-n-o and if you look up the word a-n-o in italian you'll know what i'm talking about <laughs> he says you have called me a-n-o which was written over his face like above his forehead yeah. i said well that's your name he says yeah he says but you've called me a-n-o i said because well, it was, happened to come out, the logo uh, Yeah, was, just the logo was... <laughs> said a thank you, it was something else. <laughs> so, so he yeah. says to me, how many programmers do you sell? I said, 5,000. 5,000? Okay, he said, you can call me. <laughs> 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 so that was another story. Oh, that's a story. Okay, I think we have to end on that note. What did you say, Rabbi? This was incredible. This was an amazing program. Yeah. You know, I can't rabbi, go on for another year. I had two like. rabbis. One <laughs> rabbi in London said, you come from this? How did you such a sudden come from this kind of man? Like a real Yiddish rabbi. I'm not going to say his name. And then the Chabad rabbi says, I now understand anything you good about you come from your father. I see you as such really? a man. Yeah, Rabbi Sudak. He said, I totally get it that you've, anything you're doing good, it comes from your father. This was a very, very special yeah. program. Very special program. Very unique program. And it just teaches us how we've got to take all these tools yeah, that your father, Martin, was speaking about, and we've got to insert them into the product that we're trying to sell because we are trying to sell a product. We're trying to sell Imuna for the world. And it's not selling out, it's helping, uh, enabling we're not, everyone. Yeah, exactly. We're not talking about selling a product in order to make money. We're talking about selling a product in order to change the world, which is what we aspire to, but we've got to learn the different techniques and methods, and that could be wonderful. In today's market, of course, the world internet sounds is all online. Yeah, is and we, from those days of rock and rollers, rock and rollers, and dealing with superstars and all that type of thing, the new world, which is the world of gay, yeah, gay, YouTubers, YouTubers, gamers, gamers. Yeah. That's what your in, my brothers, your sons are busy. So we with, are yeah. we have changed uh, focus of our industry from our business mainly from the touring side which one day you're in, you're in australia the next day you're in birmingham or the next day you're in china into the online world and for instance there's a guy he's a young man he's 
I think he's 28, 29. His name is, he's a gamer. He He's a, a Minecraft guru, right? And he's like, well, if you're a, my, my, I'm sure you're a Minecraft player. If you're a Minecraft, <laughs> <he's> not, <laughs> if you're a Minecraft player, yeah. he knows Minecraft. No. No, he doesn't? Okay, if you're a Minecraft player, this guy's name is, his, his brand is Dan TDM. And he had, believe it or not, and I still find it amazing, this this young man who's 27, 28, over the last three or four years, had five billion, billion, not million, billion hits on mm. YouTube and all that kind of... And ar around it is this whole story of branding and merchandising that kids who, yeah. who follow Minecraft want to buy something with his face on it and the other thing is, is there's a new one now um which is huge I, um it's called spy ninjas now spy ninjas is another gaming a game which is for the younger generation they've got millions and millions of followers and the kids are playing the game and uh, they're driving their parents mad to buy them something. You know? So here, so that's a good idea. Let's make an Amuna computer game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so gaming fact, is fact, huge. Gaming is what? Well, How do you get points? They're probably, Muna. Muna. There probably is share it. Spiritual games out there. There must be. I don't. Yeah. I don't personally know. I've never. I haven't actually seen anything. Probably, Maybe it's a new there product. Probably is. Maybe it's a new product. Yeah. Gaming. I do think we do have to think <laughs> now. Take the concepts of what you did then, and I mean, your your sons are doing it, my brothers, yeah. and they're bringing it online, and they're doing it together with these YouTubers and gamers yeah. and NFTs and all yeah. the new stuff going on. So we're going to have to figure out how to take the same concepts of branding and promoting and bring it to the internet online. I mean, this is our 70th class. It's an achievement mm -hmm. that we're able to sit here with our crowd, have to worry about the ticket sales or anything, and we just... Yeah. Get the message out there through the internet. Yes, and well, I'd just like to point out just to all yeah. of you, we're expecting five billion hits. Yes, this exactly. This okay. five, five billion. 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 Well, Stop thinking small. One yes. other one other That's word true. one other word to add yeah. is the word influencer. Yeah. So an influencer is a person who will is basically he's telling a story, whether what what the story is is irrelevant, but he's telling a story and but really what he is selling behind that story is a product. And you're an influencer, and if you've got a, an insert of, of a kippah that suddenly becomes the kippah that everybody wants to wear, he's done his job. You know, that is the job. Amazing. Of the world of influencers. So let's do it, guys. Everyone can reach out. Join our Amuna Global classes. We thank again Rev Dinago so patiently listening to my father and joining us and also sharing some of his Amuna insights, giving us that focus in the name of the Rav, Rav Shalom Morish. He should be well. We're looking forward to our 71st class. I can't believe it's a big achievement. Yeah, it is. It's been well a two-year process during this whole corona story. Started around two years ago already. And uh, once again, we dedicate to Rav Wallerstein. He should be a made at Siochef for us. He's accomplished tremendous things, and we can also take a note from his book, how to do it even in the in-person world as well, not to lose that focus that we need to meet people and experience that in-person um, success and connection we wish you all a wonderful rest of the week a good shabbos join us for our 71st amuna class next sunday keep sharing this one make it as big as possible so we can hear and educate the new generation of influencers and youtubers and all these people out there to get the message of amuna to the world amen amen thank you thank you that's it
Welcome to our 70th Amuna class. Yes, a big, big night tonight. Um, right now we're actually daytime, midday, Rabbi, but soon, midnight, we'll have this class live. Amuna class 70. And I have a big thank you, Hashem, written on my hat, a nice organization in Monty, I believe. We <clears throat> merit to have my father in the studio. Mr. Goldsmith is in the house. Hello. Hi there. Hi, everybody who's taking notice of what we have to say. And uh, thank you very much for having giving me the opportunity to welcome everybody and talk to you all today. And I look forward to some very embarrassing questions from my son. <laughs> Only the good ones. Only the ones that make you feel loved. <clears throat> we do have Rev Dinalgood coming in the studio shortly, so he will take care of some of the general questions that we have. For our Muna class, especially we've been focusing on Benam Lechaveo, loving our fellow person. Very important to keep connection positive and real. But today the focus is overall on promoting Amuna, And that can be honestly the biggest help you can do for humanity. Right now we see a lot of struggles in the world, a lot of difficulties. Universally people are going through all kinds of um, ups and downs emotionally, physically, and I would say spiritually also. And my father, thank God, has so much experience that he's going to give us some guidance how to promote Amuna Global, which we know based on Rav Orish's teaching of Shalom Orish, who unfortunately <coughs> once again is still not able to make the studio time, but is guiding us and giving us the overall push to do these classes, being that this is his studio. And we have once again the honor to represent his awesome organization and causes so we're going to give a little bit of a focus we're going to remember today to dedicate to the legacy of rabbi zachariah wallerstein zatzal as well he was a very big role model for me in the last 20 years or so being in the holy land and going on this journey someone who impacted the world we spoke about it in the previous class my personal class and thank god we'll give over some feedback about that in a moment we also welcome our guests everyone tuning in online to the Holy Land, to Eretz Israel, to Jerusalem. Blessings specifically to our special guest, Mr. Goldsmith, his family, which includes myself, so I'm very happy to be part of that blessing. And my mother, who both of them came here, thank God, special. It's been two and a half years. Whoever follows my class knows I've been asking you guys to pray, and those prayers worked. They made it here, no problem. Easy? Easy this time. Easy this time, yeah. No we, don't, we don't want to go into what happened in, in no last problem. year. Ravalga just walked into the studio, very excited to see his happy, happy face. He'll be joining us in a moment. We're dedicating this class to the full healing of Rav Sholem Orish. He should have the strength to join us in the studio soon. Tehila Rivka Bas Masha, um, Hannah Bas Frida, and uh, anyone else out there who's struggling with Corona, they're still saying there's some sort of remnant, I don't know, or new versions, but we pray that this Corona story should go away and we should all be healthy and functional, be able to travel and do everything we need to do. We're also dedicating this class to the Ilya Nishmas of Gedalia's son, Yerachmil Daniel Ben Gedalia. He is a pure soul and Gedalia Fenster, thank God, did feature, we mentioned it last week with the Rav in Ami magazine and he's going doing tours now should join him, <coughs> excuse me, both in LA and New York. And we're dedicating also to wishing you all a good week. We want good promotions, this Kodesh of Iyar, healthy, energized spring to the summer days, Sphira with Amuna. And we remember this is the focus of the class to share Amuna, global everyone. That is 
the energy we want. We want to make this as big as possible to help humanity reach a good, inspired state of mind. Okay, so Rav Elgood sitting next to me. We'll just say a quick hello to the Rav who came special. Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem Martin. Nice to meet you. Oh, all the way to meet you. Very good. This is this is the English now. Oh, this is the, it. The, 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 the English We're Parliament. Over. We're, We're taking sleep. over, yes. That's it. Finally, an English representation only. Excellent. Well, we should really have another Scots, a Scottish, Scottish guy, and a Welsh guy. We talked we'll about those guys in the we kilts, are here. But... We are here to celebrate the Queen's 70th, 70th yeah. uh, Very nice. <laughs> anniversary of being on the throne. Yes, yes that's a big deal. Long live the Queen. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so we just praised the Queen. Amazing. And uh, thank you, Rabbi. This is our feedback moment, and then we'll start the class. Hispodidus, my only hope. Hispodidus means personal prayer just to translate. I hope um, Hashem, Melech, blessed be he, will, will change me and my life for good. Although, yes, I'm in pain to pour out my heart, but it's a healing process and it's a million percent works. One hour in the middle of the night is the best. So that's someone who's living up to the teachings of the rabbi. A very big part of his program is learning to have a relationship with God, just to make it clear, to talk it out. Amuna means to talk. Correct, Rabbi? I'm yes. defining it correctly, hopefully. Okay, now we got some other feedback. Smile, 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 and hearts. Musical Amuna class. They love our classes, thank God. May Hashem continue to bless your organization. Jason wrote this. I love this. What a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem means to make Hashem's name or great sanctify in the world, Hashem sanctify his name. name. Thank you for the translation. I told you, you have to translate me. It's life saving truth. Shalom from Germany. See, it's a global class. As we had Portugal, I think, just before. That's so true, Rabbi. In everything we do, we should call out to Hashem. He is indeed our holy, our only answer. Hashem should bless you and Rav Shom, Oresh, all, all, and everything he's doing. And then just a little bit more feedback. It's great tool, this technology. And the Yid mind can be used effect, effectively to spread Torah on the platforms. It's got to be done tactically. Love what you're doing. It's doing great. <coughs> Well said, I'm trying for my place. God bless you, Ellie Goldsmith. That was on my class, thank God. Shalom, dear Rev Laser. Greetings from the Noahites. The Noahites are people that keep the seven commandments. And there is a large growing movement of them in the world. And it's actually based from the Torah, such a concept. And I believe this is per a friend, he, Javier, is uh, from a Spanish-speaking country, but he joins us in English. Thank you, dear Rev Laser, for this wonderful share. Amen. I'm only beginning to learn the first steps of this man's holy life. We're talking about Rav Oresh. Oh no, sorry, excuse me. This is Lahavda ben Khan Rahim. We're talking about Rav Zechariah Wallerstein, who are dedicating this class. We mentioned at the beginning before the Rav Dinagra walked in. Everyone should be healthy and well, but unfortunately, Rav, Rav Zechariah Wallerstein, everyone else should be healthy. Rav Zechariah Wallerstein passed away at the young age of 64. Yeah, and we want to celebrate um, life, so we'll dedicate this class to his merit. And may he be for a continuous blessing, they wrote. Someone else wrote one more beautiful feedback. Wishing you a happy time with your parents. Looking forward to being able to hear your father's experience. There we go. Oh, that's nice. That's very nice. Someone already preceded this class. Did New... you write that? I did not. No. no. It's, another, it's another English bloke. <laughs> no, it's, it's on, it's, this is all generally coming through the emails or YouTube. YouTube is the main place where I get the feedback. Um, Facebook here and there. Once in a while, there's some some nice comments underneath as well. And once again, we ask you now, as we're live, if you're watching, make a comment, give feedback. It gets the class more global. Give some love, and uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone who's involved, the studio team, 
and everyone who joins us weekly. So let's go. Let's start the class. And specifically, we'll thank with Diane Elgood and staff with a question that he made it here in his busy schedule, and we don't take it for granted. So the question is, also, someone asked again about the Munator, but you know we've had that question many times. I'm sure you're going to be talking about this anyway, but how can I connect to Spheris or Omer during this time? That's the time we're in, yes. Well, we're going to speak about this more extensively, but the main key factor is take each day anew. In other words, learn to treat each day as one time unit and cope with the day. Don't start thinking about what's going to be. Focus on what you've got to do today. We'll concentrate about these things in future showroom, but that's one of the key things about Sphere Soma. Learn to live in set moments of time. Amazing. So we are here present, sitting next to the man himself, my father, who's had a lot of experience on online classes. Is that right? Or more rather selling uh, channels? Certainly TV, uh, yeah. a lot of TV exposure, a lot of, kind of TV shopping channels, oh. believe, believe it or not, which are in incredibly, uh, or were in incredibly successful. Obviously, the, on the online world or well, the world of shopping online has kind of taken a lot of its uh, sparkle away, but it's still there. And if you want to buy a bed, go online. You'll see one. There's hundreds of them. Well, I mean, I remember growing up and turning on the TV that we had, and on there was my father selling something on WWE or WWF, yeah. what it was called back then. And, uh, yeah, there was lots of products all the time. There certainly was. In fact... Um, my history really is is quite simple it's about one product and that product is a t-shirt and it's amazing how a simple product like a t-shirt has conquered the world time and time again uh, and if i go back uh over, well over oh, my company's been in business well over 40 years and i go back to our early days where i had this vision of working with artists who were touring concert halls, doesn't matter what size they were, whether they were small halls or large halls, and how could we make extra income for those artists so that, and also to help promote their artists by, by their fans getting more and more involved. So the answer was a simple thing, very simple. Put a logo or put a name on a t-shirt and see if the fans want to buy it. And although in the early days, uh, it, a lot of it came out of the States in the in the psychedelic era, which was kind of uh, late, uh, late 60s, late so early 70s, where art became a very, very important part of the world of uh, rock and roll in but mainly in California, in San Francisco, in the psychedelic, in the psychedelic days. In fact, some of that artwork is incredibly iconic. And if you've got the originals, very, very valuable. So we decided, uh, we set up a, a company and I approached uh, an iconic British artist named Cliff Richard, who's still around, still performing. I think he's- Don't he's, we call him Sir Cliff Richard? Oh, Sir Cliff, yeah. <laughs> Sir Cliff. And I said to Sir Cliff, in those days he was Cliff. I said, why don't we, you're doing some concerts, why don't we produce some products uh, with your picture on it or uh, a t-shirt with your face on it or some logo and he said to me are you mad he said nobody's going to buy anything with my face or, or, or logo on it so I said well it's my risk 
I will pay you a percentage of all the money that we take and let's see what happens. And of course, 80 years later, or so, sorry, uh, 40 years later, he's still going around and the world of merchandising has become, and all his fans who turn up at a show have to buy something. They have to. It's not a matter of trying to sell it to them. So um, he, he was absolutely amazed. And of course, his manager was also delighted because we gave them added income. Uh, to whatever they were earning from concerts. And then we decided uh, to kind of expand into the world. My brother, who was the most famous uh, promoter, tour promoter in Europe, or probably secondary to a guy called Bill Graham in America, was bringing in uh, a few small bands. You might have heard of them. I'm not quite sure, but the Rolling Stones, David Bowie, uh, Led Zeppelin, Thin Lizzy. Uh, and uh very and pink oh pink floyd and queen just small little bands you know that that obviously turned into the world's greatest artists who are still performing today and my my job was to create uh merchandising ranges uh whether it was a t-shirt or a badge or a cap or a program or a poster to go at every show and, and gradually the business got bigger and bigger and bigger uh every single fan had to buy something which they did of course you know we had a few failures when I, a the band didn't turn up or, it, or the weather was bad and we were outdoors uh, or whether we overbid for the rights um so not everything was successful but generally um it, it the business uh, side of it grew and that side of kind of memorabilia memorabilia business has expanded into all levels of of I would say not only the entertainment world but anything where there's a following and um, we we got involved with some weird and wonderful crazy crazy things and I've noticed the the most interesting aspect of what Ellie has put up was a picture of me with uh, the Hulkster, Hulk Hogan. Holy brother. Holy brother. And he, um, in those days, 1980, uh, seems like another century ago, but anyway, 1980s, the world of wrestling was just starting to happen in America. And we, I, I knew, I'd been to Florida and I'd seen the kind of buzz when the world wrestling federation as it was known then was doing their live shows <clears throat> and i contacted uh the the owner whose name was vince mcmahon and i said to him why you know i've noticed the interest in america about uh, re- uh professional wrestling i said why didn't we bring you over to europe and he looked at me in fact i went to connecticut sat down with him he looked at me he said you brother you must be mad you're crazy we're only playing in kind of small venue what the hell are you talking about he said i said well i still believe you know there's going to be interest worldwide he said one thing is happening he said we're just talking now to sky tv i said and sky tv in those days that is infancy and i said well what are you talking to them about he said well they're very interested in bringing uh, bringing us on TV in America. I said, well, as soon as you've done the deal and you want to show, they're going to show World Wrestling Federation on Sky TV, which was gradually taking over from BBC and ITV, let me know and we will, we will um, 
like to promote you? He said, you're mad, you're crazy. I said, okay, well, we'll find out. Anyway, a few months later, the deal was done. He, he, they got onto Sky TV. The, the market suddenly grew. There was from nothing, there was kind of a few hundred thousand people watching uh, on their sky boxes because in those days it was just beginning. Uh, so we, we did a deal to bring World Wrestling Federation to London into a brand new arena, which nobody could get to, by the way, because it was very, there was no, there was no transport system to get it. it was in the London Docklands. Anyway, we put one advert in the daily newspaper, the Daily Mirror. And within about one hour, every single ticket had sold out, you know, and it was just, we couldn't, they couldn't believe it. My brother said, I can't believe this is happening. I said, well, it's happened. We better be prepared for it. <laughs> and then from then onwards, um, that event went ahead. Uh, it was a massive, massive success with no promotional cost at all, really, just a few couple of ads. And the World Wrestling Federation was born as a brand in in the uk followed by uh into europe and that went on for about 10 or 11 years uh finalizing in i think it was 1987 uh world wrestling federation SummerSlam at wembley wembley stadium everybody thought it's impossible it can't sell out and guess what 87,000 tickets were snapped up in a very, very short period of time. And uh, then um, it was, in fact, I think it's 30 years anniversary coming up this year, if, I, if I've got my figures correct. And uh, from then the World Wrestling Federation went from strength, strength to strength. And some of the characters that we, we work with, we even brought them to Israel. Uh, we toured, we did some dates in Israel with um, uh, kind of quite a quite a heavy uh, lineup of superstars, including one guy named Randy Savage. Yeah, dig Randy it. Savage. Yeah, and um, it was a Slim Jim guy. Yeah, uh, I remember. That. I remember as if it was yesterday. Basically, I said to all the guys who we were in Tel Aviv. I said, who who would like to go and visit the holy city of Jerusalem? I can arrange a tour, I can arrange a tour bus and, and a guide and they'll take you around uh, the city, around the walls and all the old city and the new city. And uh, you can see, you know, all about the history that you've been reading about. And most of the guys decided they wanted to get involved. They got on the bus and uh, we drove out from Tel Aviv. And suddenly this guy says to me, and his name was Randy Savage and he spoke like this. He said, hey, my mother's Jewish. I said, oh, that's interesting, really. How come? He <laughs> said, yeah, my mother's Jewish. I said, well, that makes you it's Jewish. Guy, yeah. <laughs> what? I can't, I, I won't uh, repeat what he said. He said, that's impossible. I said, if your mother's Jewish, you are Jewish. Give me that phone, he says. <laughs> Get hold of the phone. He gets on, he, he gets onto the phone to eventually to his mother. And he said, Hey, I'm in the Holy City. I'm, I'm in Israel. I'm just going to Jerusalem. They just told me I'm Jewish. You can imagine there was a deathly silence on the other end of the phone. <laughs> uh, and suddenly, in the midst of all this, uh, he had no idea whatsoever. And his mother had, to, and he, he made his mother come out on the next aeroplane. <laughs> so he he had, and he was told about the history of his life and. 
as his life went on later on, I think he got he got quite involved with um, fundraising and doing things. In Vegas, for I heard. Yeah, I and heard he, he donated to Vegas. Yeah, he donated me. quite a lot for some yes. of the charities. Unfortunately, I think he got run over one day when he was um, too much slim jims. Yeah, too much stuff, you know. And um, but that was the story of Randy Savage. And believe it or not, the legendary Hulk Hogan always used to call me, hey brother, hey brother, you're my holy brother, you know, as if I was his brother. He's, he was quite, although he had a checkered career, he was, he was uh, certainly quite spiritual and he probably still is, you know, even though he's been through a few wives and a few this, that and the other, you know, various scandals about him, but he's still a great man. And uh, he, he, he's uh, well into his sixties, but he's still active. So anyway, that's the story of the world of the world of wrestling. I carried on in that world. We we uh, represented another company called TNA, and we followed up with another one called WOS World of Sports, which was a British company which is still around. And believe it or not, we even got involved with the very very first uh, European um, live experience of UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship which we brought to the Albert Hall um, with, amongst a huge amount of uh, bad press, good press, and the Albert Hall had no idea that there was two guys in a ring in a cage beating each other up, and they weren't happy. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's the history of that. Still got some traditional values over yeah. there. <laughs> uh, amongst our other experiences, we have done a lot of work in, the, in raising money uh, for charitable organizations and my area of it was always been the world of merchandising so we uh, going back uh, Live Aid in fact most people remember Live Aid of course uh, and then after Live Aid there was an event called Fashion Aid which every single famous fashion design in the world uh, gave it some artwork which we could re recreate on merchandising I mean, every from Amani to uh, Dior to um, Catherine Hamnet to every world major artist, every gave their design free. And our job was to create some product, sell the product uh, retail mainly in those days and at live events. And all the all the proceeds went into the Live Aid Trust uh, and we became a huge money earner for them. And Probably the biggest event which people might remember was called Sport Aid. Now, Sport Aid was, was set up as a, as a huge fundraiser uh, for Africa in those days, and it, the proceeds actually went into the Live Aid, Live Aid Trust again. And the idea was the world was going to run. Uh, and it, it, it was a bit of a rocky start, but as soon as they got Bob Goldoff involved and a few famous rock stars saying they were going to support it, uh, the event took off. But the important thing about it, every single person who entered to run for the world would receive a T-shirt. And part of the entrance pack was the T-shirt, which had a world on it, and I run the world. And... Um, we had the job of creating this this product and returning you know the all the proceeds into the fund itself 
And it started off very slowly, but suddenly it went crazy. And we had the job of creating 600,000 T-shirts, <laughs> sending them out to every single participant, because uh, that was part of the entrance. You pay your entrance money and you get a T-shirt. And as you can imagine, that was a hell of a job. But anyway, we made it work. And the, the charity raised a huge amount of money. And um, then, and then, following from that, there was um, a big event in Hyde Park with all the most famous rock musicians in the world <coughs> uh, were trying to save the planet. We haven't succeeded yet. This event was called Live Eight. Eight, and every you know whether it was Queen or um, <coughs> in fact um, Led Zeppelin and Pink, uh, sorry Pink Floyd had a reunion on the stage in Hyde Park and one of the most prominent um, Senate members of the US was behind it. And the idea was to save the planet. And that was called Live Eight. Uh, also, uh, another huge fundraiser was the Prince's Trust, which was, <coughs> which still is around, uh, headed up by Prince Charles. And every year he used to have a, a, a rock show, a rock festival, uh, one of the, uh, Wembley or the Albert Hall or Hyde Park. Again, uh, the music industry supported it. Everybody supported it. Every name that you ever heard of got behind it, just like in Live, Aid, Live Aid's time. But these are probably, <clears throat> they're probably kind of um, forgotten as time goes by, but all these things happen. Then we did a, a lot of events, Teenage Cancer Trust, which still, which raises a lot of money for young kids who've, who've got cancer. So the Albert Hall every year, and it's kind of headed up by Roger Daughtry from The Who. That's another massive fundraiser, all based on the world, all based around merchandising and ticket sales. So I know that Elliot has, <coughs> has a huge library of publications from Rabbi Shalom Arush, and it's very important that anybody who's interested in his following and his words and his speaking should you know lay out and buy the publications i'm, I'm not sure whether we'll have a t-shirt with his face on it yet should we we have some merchandise <laughs> there is a t-shirt could be a good judaica we you have we, we've got judaica like <laughs> and that have the brand the products yeah but... and just just uh just a, a very quick uh Pracy, it won't take too long, about 10 hours if you've got time. <laughs> <clears throat> After the world of rock and roll, we then got involved with um, a young, very small little man called Luciano Pavarotti, um, the world's greatest tenor, who was an opera singer, but suddenly became a world superstar, filling up stadiums throughout the world. And we toured around the world with him for 25 years. Uh, and then they his manager, Tibor Rudas, a guy from originally from Hungary, decided I can do I can do more with Luciana than just um, selling out uh, small venues and big venues. Let's do stadium events for 50, 60,000 people. So you can imagine 50, 60,000 people all sitting in a huge stadium listening to an opera star. Unheard of, completely unheard of. <clears throat> then he had the brainwave of taking three of the world's greatest tenors, uh, Pavarotti, Carreras and Domingo, 
and putting them into huge 18, 90,000 stadiums around the world. And it was my honor to be able to work with them. They also did a lot of events for charity, uh, particularly charity uh, that charity events uh, that uh, Pavarotti was, where he was creating his own foundation to bring up new singers, uh, new stars. And again, uh, it was the world of kind of a bit of merchandising around it and TV, TV advertising that helped raise more and more funds. So on and on it goes. So the question is how do we, and this was like one of the questions actually written down, how do we promote Amuna to our community and globally online? How do we get these, these concepts of merchandise and brands into the world of Amuna, of Rav Because he obviously has a vision for his books, for his teachings. He's traveled, we've traveled together and seen how the impact he has on a large amount of people and not just in the English speaking world, but globally as well. And uh, how, do, how would you see, with all your experience, obviously, and the charity side of it as well, that a lot of the music and the, and the entertainment also back to the charity side of it. And which, something we've tried to do in this class is bring in the music elements and had guests who are singers and, and rappers and, and composers and creators and DJs and every kind of different um, performer. How do we combine that to get this more global, to get the Amuna concepts? Probably, um, the big question. I would say the world of T-shirts is not for <clears throat> this organisation, but it could be that if there was a licensing program set up where you could sell a brand, um, a Muna brand, which could, could go on, you know, ashtrays or pottery or mugs or or cups or you know, some a bit of decor product which could be put on the wall at home or uh, you know even even um a hanukkah hanukkah maybe branded with that that might it could work how about baseball caps yes baseball they did caps? it this this organization yeah. did it in america Thank yeah. you, we have one yeah. called i i love anik <clears throat> i have collie hoodie but that no but for your father speaking yeah. about specifically the product yeah. of the yeah. Irish and the yeah. Yeah. Well, there could be amongst the followers, amongst everybody around, a, a company which has a, a range of products already into stores, maybe household items that could be branded, uh, and that would help to get the name around. Um, doesn't have to be just something which i mean it could be a vase, you know, it could be something. But it seems like the events is what really pushed the word out. Events, the excitement of an event. Obviously, uh, if you've tour. got, a, if you have a, a following, and you've got, I mean, I mean, you've had events in Madison Square Gardens, haven't you? And you've had it for in, the Jewish world, yeah, yeah, but not for specifically Rav Orish, no. but You never know. <laughs> I don't know whether you yeah. know if you could, if there's a, a range of product that could be created and put together and sold. Obviously, it's a risk someone's got to take the risk and yeah. whether it's a, a company bought the license which my way of think is probably the best way who appears every time there's a, ga a large gathering of course the online store is very important that is yeah we have breslev.com which is a yeah. website maybe we have to the... sing with sir cliff sir cliff is a sir cliff is, is certainly very um spiritual person i yeah. mean he he does believe he obviously has his own followers of 
you know, Christian faith who follow him because of not because he's a singer, but because of his spiritual leading, you know. So what about Frank Sinatra one time? You told me there was a big rainstorm. Was that right when he was singing a, the climax of a song and it just downpoured? Uh, yeah, that was Pavarotti. Oh, it was Pavarotti? Yes. Well, obviously, he sang, he one of his iconic events was in Hyde Park yeah. and um, Pavarotti in Hyde Park. Um, I think it was probably 85,000 people, wow. including Princess Diana and the whole of the go the whole of the government. Uh, every single person who was anybody in the country was there. Uh, and the only dampener, and the word dampener is something which I can still see, as soon as Pavarotti came out on stage, as he opened his mouth, so the skies opened. Absolutely, <laughs> pouring down. absolutely poured down. It never stopped raining. You know? Did you have the umbrellas? Well, the Pavarotti the, umbrellas. The trouble is, uh, the all, the, all the people put their all people put their umbrellas up, but the people behind started going mad because they couldn't see. see. <laughs> so my my brother had to get up on the stage and berate the audience. Put your umbrellas down. But then, <laughs> so then, the, luckily, we had a. Uh, supply of plastic max and all the VIPs in the front you know, were sitting there getting absolutely soaked, but they were protected with plastic max. You know, um, we, we can't con we can control everything, but you can't control the weather. And that's, it. that's it. Especially in England. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it happens. But okay, so we've really got. What was that show called? Pouring Pavarotti. Yeah. Yes, that's not bad. PP. PP. <laughs> Pouring Pavarotti. Pav oh yes, good one. Pouring Pavarotti. I mean, I do remember a story about Pavarotti where he changed his date of his birthday for Yom from Yom Kippur. Is that correct? Did that happen? Well, no, because his birthday, yeah. believe it or not, is twelve of October. It's your birthday. And guess whose birthday is the twelfth of October? Yes, Mr. Goldsmith. He never sent me a birthday card. Mm. I used to send him a birthday card, but he never sent me a birthday card. Mm. I never forgave him for that. Mm. We both share the same birthday. Mm. Okay, so there's a question. We're just going to yeah. jump back to Ravelgrads, just out of interest. Someone commented on the DHC. Yes, these classes are still mm -hmm. going around. The bracha on dried fruit. Someone wants to make a blessing. What's the blessing on a fruit, Dad? You know? Right. Yes with chemical flavoring. So is this true for all fruits bought today at supermarkets or only a select few? Well, it depends what dried fruit. I mean, if we're talking yeah. here about, for example, prunes or dates or figs, etc., then the blessing would truly be very great. But when we're talking about uh, papaya or kiwi, we're talking about the ones who have the, what's called the fluorescent, and uh, Martin used this earlier, the psychedelic colors. Psychedelic okay, colors. psychedelic colors. The brocha is shahako. It's got nothing to do with fruit. Everything is sucked out of them. And whatever's really? put back in, it's got nothing to do. The wow. fruit is killed completely. Yeah. All the flavors taken out, it's chemicals, oil is put back in. It's absolutely dangerous. And the brocha is shahako. That's not a fruit. Well, I wasn't aware of that. Yes. Wow. I and don't it, like dry fruit. They look a little bit like colorful. You That's know? what I said. The psychedelic fruits. It's like yes. You know, like the ones with the shiny green. The dark. Yes, yeah. yes. You put them at night and you really? can see it. Really? <laughs> Really, how amazing. Yeah. So we, we only make a blessing on the specific reality and it doesn't even make it to the fruit yes, reality. That fruit even though it was there. once. That fruit was once. Again, it was once. That's the truth. 
Past okay. experience. Amazing. Uh, so, there's just yeah. one story just, just came sure. to... Uh, we, we had the, the rights for the Olympic Games 2012 in London. And we had uh, a lot of the, the rights for the merchandising. And Olympic merchandising is huge. It's absolutely, you know, every there's collectors around the world who will collect Olympic badges, for instance, going back for years and years and years, you know. And a lot of them now become quite valuable. You know, they actually trade. If you go on eBay, you see there's uh, people trading in, in Olympic merchandise. And we were, we were struggling a bit. We we were, it wasn't really hadn't the the two hundred one two merchandise. Although the the actual events were massive, the merchandising, particularly online, which was then in its inf infancy, hadn't really taken off. And and we had guaranteed a huge amount of money for the rights for that, and we were getting a bit worried until suddenly um, and. Part of it was the Paralympics, and I said to the Olympic organizer and the committee we were working with, uh, I said, what about the Paralympics? And they said, oh, don't worry about it, it doesn't mean anything. It, it will happen, but it doesn't mean anything. How wrong they were. You know, it's quite amazing how the Paralympics in London uh, became massive. And they sold, actually sold three million tickets for the 2012 Paralympics, yeah. which obviously that helps all the Paralympics themselves. You know, these guys in wheelchairs and all that type of stuff who put their whole life into trying to keep fit, even though they, they, they had shocking things happen to them. And the kind of the Paralympic merchandising suddenly became the thing you had to buy. And all yeah. the fans, and can you imagine, they. The, the Olympic people could not believe that they sold three million tickets for the Paralympic Games. So, and that brings us to today, or, or in fact, last month, where we we got involved with uh, Prince Harry's uh, charity, main charity, which is called Invictus Games, which again is the Invictus Games is for para 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 Olympic. Um, not Paralympic, paraplegic. But paraplegic. That's the word. Thank you. Paraplegic athletes who basically are from the army or from the the armed forces, and they have this annual event. It's been held back for two years because of the obvious reason. But last two weeks ago it was held in the Hague, and again that was another huge TV um, interest, and it was shown all around the world. And the part important part of it was fundraising through merchandising. So that was another one. So I think we get an idea now to just sum up that basically to get these products like we have, thank God, we sold out, which is good news of the English one. Yes. On loving all people, the updated version, we still have the, uh, the original version. And we have obviously the latest book of Garden of Amuna that we're always putting out there and remind you to go to breslev.com. We did post this week that you can get all 15 Garden of Amuna books, actually 14, correct me please, 14 English Garden of Amuna books, and uh, they are available for a great price. You can buy the full set. Obviously <coughs> the shipping, everything's at a better price because it's a bulk deal and we will ship it out to you. We posted it already on our on our sites. And these are great opportunities. This is something I've watched growing up, my father selling products online and on, you know, in those days it was TV. And, uh, you know, something which 
I see the importance because especially we know what's inside these books can change people's lives. It's literally saved marriages, um, people's well-being, the ability to have um, peace of mind so they can economically succeed. One of the things that the Rub has been pushing, as we just mentioned very much, is about the loving the fellow man. So we're going to go now get have a little bit of a focus from Rav Dian Elgod again on this subject. And I know he's prepared pages. Yeah, but, yeah, but before that, yeah. I would like to ask, could I please ask? Yeah, please ask. Question? Yes, you do. In, in my opinion, again, and I'm saying this as someone who is not part of the actual industry, but I think that the most important thing is promoting something that you believe in. Correct. Am I right about that? Correct. In other words, you have to believe in your product. Yeah, that is true. Well, in the rock and roll business, or the music, that doesn't always mean that I believe in what they're playing and what they're saying, but as long as the fans believe in it, that's not the important thing. So you're... The, I've, the logo, for instance, on the front cover of the, of this latest, well, that's a great logo, which I could, you know... Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got a lot of good got of feedback from that, the heart and everything, yeah, yes. definitely. In other words, we've got the most important thing that what you're speaking about, merchandise, is, is creating belief in the product yeah. or connection. Well, you can you can have a book, you can have this book in your bookshelf and you might see this section as you walk by. But if you had that, let's say, in glass or some kind of NFT form, nowadays or whatever or NFT it is. is another story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe on your wall at home, you'd see it every day as you walk past and that would mean something to you. And perhaps a lapel badge, obviously, that type of thing. You might have it already. I don't, I don't know. OK, now here, here to another question. Yeah. How do you create a connection? to the merchandise, to the logo. For example, let's take a musician. Yeah. Whatever music. Music is something very personal. Not everyone likes this or that kind of music. How do you make people like the merchandise even if they don't feel connected to the music? Well in the in the when I say olden days, I mean going back back to the seventies, every single band, their logo was the most important thing. If you can imagine you you know, A C D C you know that it if I say that to you, you know what that means, don't you? Yeah, I am the wrong, I'm the wrong example. <laughs> well, my parents that brings us to the story no, from last my week. My parents yeah. only allowed only allowed me to yeah. listen to classical music okay. when I was growing up. Okay. We told the Rev C Meyer story where he had no clue. The, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, let's say okay, you're the branding. Let, like the Rolling Stones, you big know tongue. what the tongue is. Yeah. You do know that, don't you? The what? The tongue. The tongue. Rolling, Rolling Stones, Stones have a big tongue. tongue. Like people have it behind them on the walls and the... Sorry, uh, again, again, I'm the wrong person. Okay. <laughs> it's I'm not sorry. Tchaikovsky's tongue, it's Mick Jagger's tongue. But anyway, yeah. let, let's Tchaikovsky, say... I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think he was merchandise too much, but believe it or not, there is a... a, a revised... Actually, Peter and the Wolf yes. of Tchaikovsky, that yeah. was merchandise That was, yeah, uh, exactly. Yes. But, I mean, it, it's a matter of creating a recognisable, iconic image. In other words, that when I see you from afar, yeah. When I see the image, I already know what that image means. Correct, correct. I mean, that that image, to me, looking at that particular is image... Is a powerful image. Is a powerful image, and it could be... It's not my world, because I don't sell generally to retailers who sell this, but I could see this as a glass product, you know? Uh, and maybe people who have no idea what it really means, what the meaning behind it, could be attracted to it. The I heart mean, of Amuna. Yeah. yeah. Nice, not bad. Yeah. 
And it's what is it? It's wonders and gratitude. So I've always it mean something. We do have a rabbi sitting here, and and and, and I want to just give him a few minutes to really give <clears> us just an, another push towards loving other people. Like I have my father here. I couldn't be happier to be able to honor him in the Holy Land. But thank God it's a struggle, generally, the day in, day out grind of connecting with Benam Lechaver, with each other, honoring each other. And we know that's a big part of this time period. So can you please guide us, Rabbi? There's a beautiful phrase from the Chazanish. This yes. is also in the book Maiseish, in part two, on page 166. Chazanish was asked, What should a person's goal be in this world? And he answered something incredible. He said, to be able to go through your 70 years without hurting a single soul. Wow. He said that should be your highest aspiration. In other words, our highest aspiration should be to treat every single person the way we'd like to be treated. No one likes to be screamed at. No one likes to be reprimanded. No one likes to be scoffed or to be mocked. And the way we'd like to people to treat us is the way we should treat other people. Why does it be so hard, though? Now, come on. You've, I've seen behind the scenes in the music business, everyone screaming at each other, <laughs> all this pressure and the hassle. Well, pressure is one thing, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, at a live event, timing is the most important thing because there's nothing worse than uh, having your audience there and they're standing there or sitting there and you're late. But doesn't it build up out. like a Yeah, of course, excitement. sometime... Correct. Sometimes it does the it does exactly the opposite, and then one gets more excited than than angry. But it's within reason, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, maybe. But um, we've all been at venues and places where the audience starts slow clap, hand clapping, whether it's a classical concert or a sports event or whatever. You know, <clears throat> for instance, when Novak Djokovic is playing against Rafa Nadal in a tennis match, and Novak sits down for a few minutes longer than he should do, the audience just start slow hand clapping, you know, because they're getting angry. They reckon <laughs> that he's trying to pull one over. Um, so uh, how do you, how do you, uh, I think a bit of a bit of audience excitement is a good thing in a way. And whether it's build up because you're getting them angry. Well, the good news, not. every but, time we post our class, it's yeah. meant to be 8.30. Somehow the studio, last night, last week it was 12.30. I don't know how, That's but good. that created a lot of anticipation. Yeah. Where's the class? That's good. I get on my phone, you know, and suddenly on the side. Is it getting posted at all? That's good. You got the link? What's going on? Well, <laughs> people... Streaming yeah. events also have some sort you saying, of time. You were, spe you were speaking also about Benodon and Lechaveri. Yeah. In my opinion, the two main things that bother people, first of all, pride, being very egoistic. When you think only about yourself and you don't think about other people, for example, if I now scream at you, that means I'd be thinking about my point of view and not thinking about you as a person, which I think would probably happen a lot in the industry of music or the industry of art. It depends. A person... You've got to stop being egoistic. And the second thing is, in my opinion, is you've got to have a Muna. In other words, we learnt, we taught this to Ellie. Okay, Ellie is English. Um, as an English boy, the concept of time is very important to him. And one of the things he learns here in Yeshiva is that time is flexible. Mm -hmm. Which means, and this is, a, this, is a, this, is a, this is an Amuna lesson. Things don't happen the way you always want them to happen. And you've got to accept it. 
this is the way it's going to be. It's not going to help you getting angry. It's not going to help you. Screaming. Well, working here and having the last few years with Corona and event world well. has definitely been a big lesson in that. Yeah, because well, you, everybody. You, let's face it. You yeah. live in a country where everybody's angry, <laughs> We're especially to... on the road. Oh, no, it's, not, it's not that they're angry. Yeah. It's just that the Israeli driver is yeah. born with his hand on the horn. On the horn. He yeah, constantly yeah. honks. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. But let, let's ask you that. What well, do you let's think? Say that, let's yeah. say. Uh, well, lack of patience. What do you, lack of patience. being an observer, someone who grew up in England and you've seen my journey and you've met, thank God now, yeah. another rabbi yeah. who, a role model that I look up to and learn from, thank God. What do you think of our journey as like the Jewish people and the lessons of Amuna that we're trying to live, even though it could be struggle sometimes, but overall you've seen the, the family and well, the whole process somewhat. I've only seen from the inner circle of my own grandchildren, and I've noticed the, the the difference between each child. Each child is different, but the one thing they all seem to have, obviously inherited from you, maybe with the exception of one person, is is spirituality. You know, and they all uh, appreciate it. They all respect it. Uh, I'm sure when I was told by my father, you got to go to shul, you got to go to Edgeware Shul to see Rabbi Saul Amius. Uh, I probably said, yeah, okay, Dad, I'm going to go to shore, but I'll end up in the local park or something like that, you know. <laughs> but I don't see that from your your children. And going to shore here yesterday in um, uh, Tolna, Tolna. Know, the Tolna Rabbi, uh, the uh, percentage of pre-bar mitzvah kids in there was quite quite interesting, actually. Incredible. And they were all very, very interesting. Uh, and uh, they they all part of the service, which if uh, which is obviously they're brought up on it. But I know that in in I'm a member of the United Synagogue, and it's a slightly different atmosphere. And of course, if you're a member of the Reform Synagogue, it's a, another atmosphere again. Although the Reform Synagogue does manage to bring in a, a lot more younger families. Probably because most of the, a lot of the services in um, in English, which they can reflect on. But here, it's the spirituality that seems to have taken over from whatever else is going on outside. Once you're inside the shul, that seems to be the most important thing from all ages. And because I'm, as I said, a member of United, I it's a bit difficult for me to understand uh, a lot of the. Um, the prayers, which I, I, you know, I've been brought up for years, as I know them, but when I hear it here, it takes on a completely different meaning. And the interesting thing is the amount of uh, interaction uh, with God on, on, from the floor. You know, I'm not talking about on the bimah. I'm talking about from the floor. From the congregation is really inspiring in a way, and they do make their voices heard. I don't know whether it's a competition to see who can dub them the loudest or not. I'm not sure. Maybe no. there is. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's from a real place. Yeah. Yes, it's from a real place. Yeah. And uh, it's very... It, 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 that, well, it's interesting for me and probably interesting for a lot of uh, non-kind of secular Jews to, to see it because they probably wouldn't get the opportunity, you know. But do you think this movement of, like, say, someone like myself yeah. coming from the... VIP music industry entertainment world, being in the backstage, meeting all this, seeing this whole really? world. Really? When was that? I remember it very, <laughs> very well. Meeting, you know, Eric Clapton to 
Paul, you know, McCartney to yeah. every single person. So it's Slash, the list goes on, you know, Oasis, go yeah. on and on. Well, you were lucky. So, but then I'm still focusing in on the rabbis and the spirituality, the Amuna, even now, till now, which, you know, not everyone can keep the long-term plan going. Um, it takes a lot of, you know, thank well, God, special people around to help and a lot of Saturday Shemai, heavenly help. So how do you think for the future of our people and the world, do you feel this still has a place that can help and even feature in the entertainment world and the music world and in the merchandise world, there can be room, like NFT world, wherever the new technology, the virtual world, where it's all heading. Is there room for spirituality and soulfulness into all that? There's always room for it. There's always room for it. It's just a matter of how do you to make people understand that there is another way out. You know, it's, it's not all um, getting angry with the world and going out in the streets and screaming and shouting. You know, there, there's other ways of doing it. To funnel it properly. Sorry? To funnel it properly. Yes, correct, correct. Uh, you know, I suppose the Orthodox Jewish world is always going to be remote from the general population. But, the, but it seems like the rabbis made a difference in making it much more universal. Well, I'm sure if if you could get you know the people to listen on the general on a general TV channel or general, I'm sure then you, you're going to start opening it up into you know a whole new world. But of course, you're not alone. Like we'll end off with one story. I know we. My dad came to help us with Nissan Black and bring him to. Oh, the yeah. events in London and, yeah. and also you were at the recent concert Hanukkah yeah. well, but who won the watch who won the raffle that's the question everyone well, wants to know well that was a fiddle you knew that I was let's see that. let's see well oh. <laughs> so all my friends laugh they say the guy who least needs it wins the raffle and he's still wearing it now well yes well Nissim Black obviously we he came to London and part of it part of the event was a kind of a charity auction or was it a raffle yeah. or an auction Can't yeah raffle yeah. and uh Somehow or the other, and Elliot was involved with putting the whole thing together. Somehow or the other, I ended up with the first prize. I wonder how that happened. <laughs> the watch. <laughs> the watch. Yeah, the watch. But what, what was interesting, about a month ago, um, Nissim came to London and he performed for the, uh, the Chabad community of Essex. Essex. Yeah. Uh, and I had no idea that um, that community was so large in that part of the world. I didn't know, actually. And I was amazed when we went to a very nice venue um, in in um, just outside Romford, which is a kind of smallish, smallish town, and the place was absolutely packed of all ages, all ages. And as soon as Nissim came out, you know, it was like like a, the Rolling Stones had arrived. The audience went mad, you know, they went absolutely mad for him. <laughs> And not only did he sing his song where they got, and he spoke to them a bit, a bit about his life, you know, and there was a, there was a certainly a lot more people there than I expected to see, and I'm glad for them that it was successful, you know. Yeah, so it was. I'm sure there are other artists who could probably do the same thing. I think know? that's together the students that we bring to the <clears throat> program. That's part of the the idea that the and music. That's part and of the, the idea. Yeah. yeah. Could yeah. I end off by asking you please. a question? Yes, please, Ralph. You were speaking about the Nazim Lachavera. And I'm sure that you, as someone who's dealt with artists, the artists that How you, you treat to, other people, the, yeah. the artists that you managed to connect to them better were the ones who were more human, less mm -hmm. egoistic. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a story about that? About someone who you remember? A good story. A good story. Well, generally, 
generally the I, I just remember one generally we would talk to the artist through their manager because the manager is there to protect the artist and he doesn't let's say if, a, if an artist is about to go on stage and he's upset by something somebody said to him it's not going to reflect back on the artist but i remember quite a funny story um neil diamond was playing at a very large arena in london the earl's court arena and i i had the idea of and the a large amount in fact my soon as the name neil diamond was announced my doorbell never stopped ringing people driving me crazy to get tickets i i actually not in the business of selling tickets but people from people i hadn't seen for years and years and years all want to see neil because he hadn't appeared in london for many many years and they were knocking on my door driving me crazy <laughs> some of the people we got tickets for someone said you know get me yourself don't drive me crazy anyway so i had the idea of um having in the the foot the whole part of the catering a deli which was going to sell salt beef sandwiches and latkes and all that kind of thing which is something you would never ever in a million years see at um, earl's court it's not not the kind of catering you might get a hot dog or, or, or burger or something but you would never see anyone so we i went to I went, <laughs> went to a friend of mine who had a a, a well a very very well known salt beef bar in Golders Green. Bloom's. Uh, sorry. Was it Bloom's? No, it wasn't Bloom. It was, I've forgotten his name actually. It will come yeah. to me in a minute. And uh, I said to him, "We'd like you to come to Earl's Court. Neil Diamond is there for a week, and we have a ready-made audience for you." He said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Look, all you had to do is set up your um, salt beef bar inside Earl's Court. You've got to open up." Uh, an hour and a half before the show and just start carving oh, anyway eventually i persuaded him it's a great idea and of course you can imagine it as soon as the audience came in there you know the ones got it went off like crazy in fact they couldn't even cope with it you know you can imagine the amount of salt beef that's been pastrami by the way anyway um so he was he was there for a week and um all of a sudden i i got this guy on the phone screaming going absolutely mad what the hell i can't tell you what he wants to say because it's but not appropriate yeah. <laughs> we're pulling the show we're pulling the show this is not right i said and you're shouting at me i said well why are you shouting at me because it's your fault i said well, what's happened somebody sent pastrami round to neil without <laughs> without my permission i said what i said so what happened was the caterer, the pastrami man or salt beef man, decided to be a nice guy and send around a whole place of salt beef to Neil, Di Neil Diamond in his dressing room. And his manager, who obviously is protecting his eye, because, you know, as far as he, maybe we're trying to poison him. I don't know, you know. <laughs> and of course, he, he, it, was for a, it was very, very touch and go. But of course, Neil loved it. He thought it was the greatest thing. He's a Jew <laughs> as well, isn't he? Neil? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Of course, yeah. and uh, I was forgiven. But uh, that—that's where some were. So a lot of the artists, you know, you, I remember my—we—we um, we had a, a concert event in a, a castle out in Kent. I think it was um, just a very old castle. They decided to put on an event in their gardens, and the artist there was Pavarotti. Pavarotti was going to sing in in. Uh, 
in the grounds of this famous castle in Kent. And after the show, um, he did the show and it was great and everyone was, and there was a, a dinner given for him and he um, he 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 decided he we were all sitting there waiting for him to come come out to join us for, for the after show dinner and all of a sudden he turns up with a with a uh, a serviette and thing over his arm and two bottles of wine in his hand and he became the wine waiter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have a picture of my mother uh, my late mother sitting on Pavarotti's yeah. lap you know so things yeah. like that i make a joke when i'm back but, in london that they look like they're up in heaven together yeah. you know? pavarotti and but my course, grandma if you upset him yeah. you owe hell to pay you know yes, he'll start screaming you with his tenor voice well he's, <laughs> he, he, we thought the moroccans had he it. once yeah. said to me he once said to me um i suddenly get a call from him you have called me something or the other thing. So I said, what are you talking about? He said, come into my address room. So I go into the address room and he says to me, Laka, he says, you have called me. Can I use the word now? No. no. Better not. Okay. 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 He says, you have, I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, uh, he says, look, and he's, he's pointing at this picture in the, in the souvenir program book and you have called me and his name is Luciano. I-A-N-O, and if you look up the word A-N-O in Italian, you'll know what I'm talking about. He says, you have called me A-N-O, which was written over his face, like above his forehead. Yeah. I said, but that's your name? He says, yeah. He says, but you've called me A-N-O. I said, because well, it was, happened to come out, the logo. Uh, yeah, was, just the logo was. Instead of thank you, Hashem, it was something else. <laughs> so, so he yeah. says to me, how many programmers do you sell? I said, 5,000. 5,000? Okay, he said, you can call me A-N-O. <laughs> <laughs> so that was another story. Oh, that's a story. Okay, I think we have to end on that note. What did you say, Rabbi? This was incredible. This was an amazing program. Yeah. You know, a I rabbi, can't go on for another year. I had two like. rabbis. One <laughs> rabbi in London said, you come from this? How did you such a sadie come from this kind of man? Like a real Yiddish rabbi. I'm not going to say his name. And then the Chabad rabbi says, I now understand anything you good about you come from your father. I see you such really? a man. Yeah, Rabbi Sudak. He said, I totally get it that you've anything you're doing good, it comes from your father. This is a very, very special yeah. program. Very special program, a very unique program. And it just teaches us how we've got to take all these tools yeah, your father, Martin, was speaking about, and we've got to insert them into the product that we're trying to sell because we are trying to sell a product. We're trying to sell Imuna for the world. And it's not selling out, it's helping, enabling we're not, everyone. Yeah, exactly. We're not talking about selling a product in order to make money. We're talking about selling a product in order to change the world, which is what we aspire to. But we've got to learn the different techniques and methods, and that could be wonderful. In today's market, of course, the world internet sounds yeah, all online yeah. is and we from those days of rock and rollers rock and rollers and dealing with superstars and all that <sighs> type of thing the new world which is the world of YouTube, yeah, YouTubers, YouTubers gamers yeah. gamers that's what your in, my brothers your sons are busy so with. we are yeah. we have changed uh 
the focus of our industry from our business, mainly from the touring side, which one day you're in, you're in Australia, the next day you're in Birmingham, or the next day you're in China, into the online world. And for instance, there's a guy, he's a young man, he's, I think he's 28, 29, his name is, he's a gamer. He, he's a, a Minecraft guru, right? And he's like, well, if you're, a, my, my, I'm sure you're a Minecraft player. If you're a Minecraft, <laughs> if you're a Minecraft player, yeah. he knows Minecraft. No. No, he doesn't? Okay, if you're a Minecraft player, this guy's name, his, his brand is Dan TDM. And he had, believe it or not, I still find it amazing, this this young man who's 27, 28, over the last three or four years, had five billion, billion, not million, billion hits on Ooh. YouTube and all that kind of, and around it is this whole story of branding and merchandising that kids who, wow. who follow Minecraft want to buy something with his face on it. And the other thing is, there's a new one now, um, which is huge. I, um, it's called Spy Ninjas. Now, Spy Ninjas is another gaming, a game which is for the younger generation. They've got millions and millions of followers. And the kids are playing the game, and uh, they're driving their parents mad to buy them something. You know, so here, so that's a good idea. Let's make an Amuna computer game. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. If gaming that, is fact, huge. Gaming is. Well, How do you get points? Probably, more Amuna. More Amuna. There probably is. Share it spiritual games out there. There must be. I don't yeah. I don't personally know. I've never I haven't actually seen anything. Probably, Maybe it's a new product. Maybe it's a new product. Yeah. Gaming. <laughs> I do think we do have to think now, take the concepts of what you did then. I mean your your sons are doing it, my brothers, yeah. and they're bringing it online and they're doing it together with these YouTubers and gamers yeah. and NFTs and all yeah. the new stuff going on. Well, so we're gonna have to figure out how to take the same concepts of branding and promoting and bring it to the internet online. I mean, this is our seventieth class, that's an achievement. Yeah. That we're able to sit here without a crowd, have to worry about the ticket sales or anything, and we just yeah. Get the message out there through the internet. Yes, and well, I'd just like to point out just to all yeah. of you is we're expecting five billion hits. Yes. <laughs> okay. Five billion. Billion. One other word True. one other word to add yeah. is the word influencer. Yeah. So an influencer is a person who will is basically he's telling a story, whether what what the story is is irrelevant, but he's telling a story and but really what he is selling behind that story is a product. And you're an influencer, and if you've got a, an insert of a kippah that suddenly becomes the kippah that everybody wants to wear, he's done his job. You know, that is the job. Amazing. Of the world of influencers. So let's do it, guys. Everyone can reach out, join our Amuna Global classes. We thank again Rev Dinagra so patiently listening to my father and joining us and also sharing some of his Amuna insights giving us that focus in the name of the Rav, Rav Shalom Morish. He should be well. We're looking forward to our 71st class. I can't believe it's a big achievement. Yeah, it is. It's been well a two-year process during this whole corona story. We started around two years ago already. And uh, once again, we dedicate to Rav Wallerstein. He should be a Meilitz Yotzeh for us. He accomplished tremendous things, and we can also take a note from his book, how to do it even in the in-person world as well, not to lose that focus that we need to meet people and experience that in 
in-person um, success and connection. We wish you all a wonderful rest of the week, a good Shabbos. Join us for our 71st Amuna class next Sunday. Keep sharing this one, make it as big as possible so we can hear and educate the new generation of influencers and YouTubers and all these people out there to get the message of Amuna to the world. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. That's it.